You know what I hear, Holman? I hear... This episode rocks. Get it? I, I actually don't get it. You don't get it? No. What do you mean you don't get it? We're talking to someone from Rocksor and we're talking to someone from Rock Jock yeah. in this episode. But all of our episodes rock. Why would this one be different? No, Does they it have, don't. It has extra rocks? <laughs> they don't. They don't. They, they're awesome. They kind of they kind of roll. They teeter-totter. You know what I mean? They don't rock. <laughs> right, because we are rock and roll, brother. <laughs> yes. We might be a little punk. Yeah. I don't know if we're rock. All right. Yeah. Yeah, is that, is that what we're going with? <laughs> I think so. All right, listen. This is going to be a great episode. It is the Chart Show Podcast. I'm Lightning. He's Holman. And we've got an expert. We've been talking about Roxor for, well, we've been having ongoing debates about Roxor for quite yeah. some time. And and what what are they? Where, uh, what role do they fill in the marketplace? And uh, is it really... Uh, like that other brand? What do people think? Well, we've got the man, Eric Anderson from Rockstar, who will be on the show today, so we can ask him all sorts of great questions. And word on the street, Holman, I don't know why it'd be word on the street since it's on our schedule, but we have John Curry and Brandon Curry, formerly of Curry Enterprises, now with Rock Jock. Yeah, if you remember from our Casey Curry interview, he's talked about how Curry Enterprises has split into a couple of different groups now, and we thought it would be great to have John and, and Brandon on to talk about Rock Jock and kind of reintroduce that brand to our audience and talk about what the company stands for today and maybe a little more history about it and, and what they can do for you. Yeah, but you're kind of a fan. You've run their products in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I okay. mean, huge in the Jeep market, and uh, they're going to continue soldiering on and, and making awesome products, and uh, that would be a great opportunity to to talk to them. I'm into it. All right, well, we got to thank our presenting sponsor, Nisa. Without them, we wouldn't be doing this awesome podcast. And uh, if you're in the market for a new half ton or half ton plus truck, <laughs> that's not true. We might be doing it, but, but we wouldn't doing... have anybody su- uh, supporting us. No, we'd be doing like a little shanty in a backyard. Oh, like when we started our first studio? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Do you remember that? This seems like a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Oh, man. Well, Nissan uh, Money thank has you. helped us uh, <laughs> move up into the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, if you guys are looking for a brand new Nissan, uh, whether it's a Frontier or a Titan, a Titan XD, go to NissanUSA.com and configure your own. And don't forget that the Titan and Titan XD come with the industry-best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Why does Alice sound drunk? She sounds slow. Did <laughs> you put in a bunch of spaces I when you did that? I have no idea. what Alice, we have to have a talk after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get to the bottom of this. All right. Well, thank you very much, Nissan, for presenting this show uh, against your uh, better advice. <laughs> <laughs> but we love you. We love your products. Go uh, to NissanUSA.com. All right. We have to talk about Decked. What? We just did something cool with them. And we just found out. Yeah, Decked, what are you doing? <laughs> what happened, Greg? Yeah, you guys buried it. Okay, so here's what happened is that uh, our, we love Greg, yeah, right? Greg's he, awesome. He, he runs the marketing department at, at Decked, and he says, hey, I want to do. I, I want to flip the script on you guys, and I want to interview you, right? I want to find out what you guys are all about, because Lightning, you were in radio and Holman, you've been in, uh, in journalism forever. Like, let's do it. So we said, okay, great. We met him over Skype on a Saturday morning. And we shot a video, and I pasted it together, and it was, if you care about us at all, you might find these stories interesting. And so we chopped it up, and I sent it to him, and he posted it on Dex's YouTube channel and proceeded to not tell us that it was there. (laughs) So So we haven't been able to promote it. We had no idea it's been live for a freaking week, and it's good. It's like, I think it's like an hour long. Head over to our Facebook page. I just put the link up there right now, at Truck Show Podcast. Check it out. And it's basically an interview with Greg interviewing us, talking about how we got started and a little bit more background on the podcast. Maybe you've heard some of these stories before. Maybe you haven't. But anyway, head over to our Facebook page. Check it out and uh, give us some viewership love. And if you need a deck system for your truck or your van, go to decked.com. All right. Now that the uh, the funky business part's out of the way, why don't you say we uh, start the show? The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. 
Mrs. Truck rides with the truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Yo, Holman, we ready to do this? Yeah, another uh, another week in the can. In the can? What are we doing? Said another week in the can. Oh, as if we get like under the belt, like or like it's uh, yeah, like, okay. Like we're putting in the, either that or we've been living in cans for the past few weeks and <laughs> well, I have feel not, like that. Uh, haven't been allowed out. <laughs> that is all true. Everything oh. you just said is true. I'm ready to get outside. It's tough talking about off-road vehicles all the time, <laughs> yeah. and then us just not going off-road. Yeah, I'm ready. That's rough. Are you ready? I'm ready to talk to someone from Roxor. All right. Well, then why don't we live vicariously through uh, the adventures of Eric Anderson? Why don't I give him a call? Hey, Sean Holman. What's going on, Eric Anderson? And lightning. <laughs> Come on now. It's Lightning and Holman, Truck Show Podcast. How you doing, Eric? Good, good. Glad to have you guys. I'm so happy to be here. Fantastic. Hold on one sec. We have a quick intro. Yeah. It's the inside job, baby. Yes, it is. It's the inside job now. Uh-huh. It's the inside job, baby. It's time for you to share what you do. Uh-huh. It's the inside job with Eric Anderson. And Eric has to share with us what he does. Oh, yeah. I'm with Roxor, Mahindra Automotive North America out of Auburn Hills, Michigan. We build the Roxor. <laughs> These guys <laughs> love it. it. He's got Arr. It's almost like Arr. a little bit you of know, pirate in there. Pirate there. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. We're off-roaders to the core. So uh, so I was telling my man Lightning here that I've known you for a while. You've been around the industry for a long time. You've taken on a lot of different projects, and your most recent project was helping to launch the Roxor brand here in the U.S., and uh, we got had a chance to work with you early on to kind of help feel out the uh, the space and see if it would be successful, and uh, you guys are killing it right now. We are, and, and you know, our sales in March were way up over a year, uh, year ago, March, so we're still growing. We're still a brand-new brand, and I remember the day, Sean, when you walked through our empty factory when all the parts were starting to accumulate for assembly, and I watched the, the hair on the back of your neck stand up. It was pretty damn exciting to have you there to walk around and see the axles, the box steel frames, the steel bodies. And let's let's be honest, it's only because hair only grows on my neck now. That's true. (laughs) Well, it scares me because I think Eric was standing a little too close to my man Holman there. Uh, I I had an opportunity early on where we did a little bit of consulting for Roxor and had a chance to go into into the Auburn Hills factory. And they were still moving into this building and painting things, and there wasn't furniture yep. and all well, that stuff. Was this a new factory, or did they take it's, one over? It's actually just a building that's not too far from uh, FCA, just down the highway. So Auburn Hills has a lot of automotive manufacturing, suppliers, people. They're all in this like little area off Highway 75 there. And uh, it's just... Uh, just this, I don't know, it, it was uh, an existing building, but what was cool was they had it, the factory floor, everything was white, brand new lights, but nothing in it. And they had, I think, one or two completed vehicles, 
and then just cases, like wooden crates filled with all the parts to make the rest of them. Right? Tell me, though, Holman, you left your special signature hidden somewhere. I can't, I can't tell you You can't that. say that? Oh. <laughs> yeah, in the wet concrete somewhere? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a phallic symbol, let's just say. Yes. He was excited, you know, and, and our fearless leader, Anand Mahindra out of India, kind of saw the opportunity with the talent pool that's in and around Detroit, Michigan, of automotive engineers, and he came up with this unique line that India is now outsourcing to America, a billion dollars to the state of Michigan. And that's a story you haven't heard before because it's asked backwards from everything else. India is now hiring American engineers to design, build, prototype CAD CAM and ship the specs back to India for all kinds of smaller cars, SUVs, pickup trucks, and minivans to be used elsewhere around the world. And someday that'll be here for the U.S. too. Well, let's talk about that. So Mahindra, uh, for those who maybe aren't in agriculture, would most likely remember that's in the mid to late, um, oh, I guess it would be the 2000s when they were attempting to bring their little diesel pickup truck to the U.S. and ultimately signed up dealers and did some other stuff. But that venture didn't ended up for whatever reasons didn't come to fruition. But you might did also, not work. Yeah, but you might also know if you are an Ag Mahindra, the same company, different division, has a tremendous lineup of tractors that people just love. And so, depending on where you are, you you've either heard of Mahindra before, maybe you wanted the Mahindra diesel pickup truck, or maybe you have a, a Mahindra tractor. So Mahindra is a a multinational company an Indian company, but they do business all over the world, and they make vehicles all over the world that you've probably never heard of in the U.S., but obviously a, a major player in global industry. But if you're not into agriculture, you're a guy like me, you're city folk, right? Uh, you, you haven't heard of these brands. You're like, I've never heard. Why? How? I have so many questions. Who decided to try to launch this product? Like, So take us back to that moment when you were hired on, and they said, here's what we want to do. And you said, really? And by the way, a street legal vehicle in another part of the world being sold as a side-by-side here in the U.S. So maybe talk through how all those decisions came to be. Well, yeah, I, I, I might actually jump back further than March sure. 2018 when we launched this brand to 1947 when another Detroit brand you all know well, Willie's Overland, licensed Mahindra and Mahindra in Mumbai, India, to assemble a military spec vehicle with components that were shipped from Michigan to India. Uh, The jigs for the bodies, the steel bodies were shipped over too, because Mahindra at the time was a sheet metal company. That's it. They they weren't in the automotive or tractor business at the time in 1947, but they were tasked with building these mill spec vehicles for distribution around the Pacific Rim, you know, and then, Indo-Pakistan War, Vietnam War, uh, Korean War, they supplied a lot. It's, it's much cheaper to send you know, knockdown components to India and have them assembled there than completed vehicles. And from there, they continue to grow that off-road vehicle line as well as getting into the tractor business. Now they're a $20 billion a year privately owned corporation that is the world's largest tractor manufacturer by volume, not by dollars. So, which means they build a lot of small sub-40-horsepower tractors for 
developing nations around the world and here in the U.S. too for hobby farmers. But they also build airplanes the size of Cessna caravans that hold 12 people. I believe California Highway Patrol just bought uh, 10 or 12 of them. Uh, they, they're in the hospitality business. They do financing. We race Formula E, uh, you know, the electric Formula One cars. So they're really into uh, electric vehicles. And we're really planning on ramping up that business here in the United States, along with a couple other projects like replacing the U.S. Postal Service hands if we can get the bid. Uh, it might come out later this year. We've been tasked with building uh, over 10 prototypes that are now in use with U.S. Postal Service. That would be a big contract to <laughs> you have. You think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would put the Amazon contract to shame. And by the way, if you have been following that, there's several companies that are bidding. This is basically a purpose-built uh, vehicle for the U.S. Postal Service. So it's not anything you've ever seen before. And it's uh, there are spy photos out there in the internet and some pictures and things like that. So <laughs> Would it check be them out? as ugly as the current Postal Service? You fans? mean the, uh, the ProMaster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing's that ugly. You guys know it well. Yeah, well, we're, we're really good at right-hand drive vehicles being from India. So you know, maybe, maybe that'll give us an advantage. But we know diesels well, obviously building you know, all those tractor engines for, for 70 years, we know how to build baby diesel engines. And then with the rock store, it's got a turbo diesel, you know, two and a half liter machine, low horsepower, but big on torque and reliable as a rock. I love how he's just, he admits it, no horsepower, yeah. but a lot of torque. It, it does. Yeah. And, and it's cool because, uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, that, that transfer over or idea wise. It's, uh, the size of, uh, other vehicle, <laughs> another vehicle, uh, an older version of it, right? Um, With a similar shaped grill, <laughs> right? Right, sure. <laughs> well, not anymore. Now it has okay. a uh, an old FJ style grill. Gotcha. <laughs> so what was the not biz- anymore? Yeah. So <laughs> we changed it. Eric, take us back to the business plan when they go. Let's launch this, but it can't be street legal because we don't want to put airbags and blah blah blah. How does that happen? Well, it's it's interesting because a couple of us came from the power sports industry. You know, we're motorcycle guys. Uh, I raced UTVs, yeah, for Polaris and in Baja races. You know, we get UTVs. We really understand them. But those were all built and designed, engineered by motorcycle companies who then built three wheelers. You remember those? And then built oh, four wheeled yeah. ATVs, yep. and then they upscaled to UTVs. So they all kind of come from a motorcycle engine or snowmobile, and I'll throw Polaris and Arctic Cat, you know, and BRP in there too, Can-Am. They're kind of either come from motorcycle or snowmobile backgrounds. So they're building up to a four-wheeler that's off-road only. We're an automotive company that built an off-road only vehicle with automotive components. So, yeah, we're bigger, we're heavier, we're made of steel, we've got a box steel frame, we've got turbo diesel engine, yeah, we're two and a half liters instead of a thousand cc's because a UTV definition has no limitation on diesel. We got automotive transmission, you know, either stick or automatic, but it's automotive grade. There's no CVT or rubber band belt to break. And we've got torque out the wazoo. We can pull, you know, 3,490 pounds, whereas a UTV will just burn and glaze or shred a belt trying to do that. <laughs> So, you know, these vehicles are really good for the back, you know, 40 of your ranch or something like that because you can still hook up and pull things around and they're super capable and just, uh, you know, they sort of I, – I know originally we we kind of helped with the idea and the vision of what it could be and whether this would be accepted in America. 
And it seems like the hobbyists have embraced it whole hog. In fact, uh, Vern Simons at Four Wheeler did a story recently about the uh, the Roxor versus some of your favorite off-roaders, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I saw Vern at King of the Hammers. Great guy. Loved hanging out with that guy. We've got a lot of a lot of interesting background in common too, which we won't get into, but uh, other than paleontology and biology, but, you know, <laughs> back, back to the original plan, you know, we thought, well, we're, we can't distribute this thing through the automotive industry because car dealerships don't understand off-road only. And we really don't want to distribute it through the tractor dealerships because they really don't quite get recreation. So we chose the Power Sports channel to launch first because they really know how to sell UTVs. This is just kind of what I would call almost a, a Harley Davidson of UTVs. You know, it yeah, it's a little heavier and it's a little slower, but what's your point? You can smell the roses. It's reliable as a rock, and it'll probably last another 50 years like the old Willys Overlands have. So this this was sort of the way we started to build out the brand and really the pillars on which it stands, which are simplicity, authenticity. Uh, uh, you know, simplicity, it's so simple. It's analog. It's not digital. We, we subscribe to kind of planned timelessness rather than plan, planned obsolescence. Um, we're not going to change the body just to change the body, to make it look more like a starship. <laughs> you know, why change it? Um, unless we have to, and we're, we're ready for that if we need to. Um, you know, it's it's been similar to what we built for Willie's Overland with a few evolutions over the years. But we're really happy we launched in power sports, but now we're starting to evolve more towards ranching, farming, agriculture. We've even got a couple of uh, world championship bull riders uh, now that we're sponsoring. And uh, Justin Moore, the country western singer, drives the rock soar. If you haven't seen his latest country western video it's really funny why we drink um it's kind of an interesting video you'll i know why you'll i drink see it. <laughs> you'll see it too well you know his favorite song of mine is you look like i need a drink yes that's a, that is a that is a good song that is a great what song. i say to holman all the time <laughs> it's like yeah yeah, Holman, how about that? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> so, all right. I'll go with it. You're looking at the competition, at the market, at the, the UTV market. And and it's, to me, but I'm not into ranching or anything. I'm into speed. Like, guys are going to go into the sand. They're going up hills. They're doing all that stuff. That, but that's, What about rocks at speed? Well, they're doing what rocks about, like, desert and all that stuff, stuff at but, speed. But, they're still UTVs today side-by-sides, the way that I think most people look at them, are for crazy like whether it's fast or really abusive terrain, and that's not really what Roxor is, so that's why I'm what trying to I figure out What if I told you Roxor was proven at King of the Hammers? Would that change your mind? I would be stunned. Well, Eric, what do you, what do you got for us? Well, they have a, a race there called the Everyman's Challenge. Mm-hmm. And in the 4,600 stock class, out of about 40 vehicles— Sean, correct me if I'm wrong. Roxor won the whole thing with Jesse Haynes at the wheel. No um, way. <laughs> yeah. What we won it. We won it at King of the Hammers. Oh, they're well, happy. They're happy for you. <laughs> well, no, we got applause. And um, you know, you might ask some people like, well, Ned Bacon. You guys might know him with the Nora 1000. Um, and Jesse Haynes at King of the Hammers. You know, why do guys like that select a Roxor and go out and 
race it or rally it? Um, you know, that's a good question because Americans just, they'll race anything. They'll race a bathtub or a rubber ducky, you know, <laughs> that's true. I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen outhouses racing in Virginia city here in Northern Nevada. <laughs> and camel. There's, there's camel racing too, but you know, we didn't build the rock sort of go race. It wasn't meant to compete against a Can-Am Maverick X3 Turbo 1000 with 18 inches of wheel travel. This wasn't. Um, we have a completely different design parameter that's meant for longevity, durability, uh, and, and a long-lasting, torquey farm machine, a utility machine. But it's fun in the minds of guys like Jesse Haynes to put some portal axles on it you know, maybe brace up the suspension you know, with this 4,600 class, Sean, as you know, you're not allowed to change the body. You're not allowed to change the frame or the model of suspension, the kind of suspension. If you got coilovers, race with coilovers. You got leaf springs, race with leaves. And that's what we have. So Jesse kept the stock and you have to keep the stock motor. You know, you can tweak it a little bit uh, or, or change the EFI. And, you know, he essentially did a lot of those things and still kept it in what Ultra 4 Racing calls stock configuration. No, it's not showroom stock. That would never make it um, any class. But in 4600, you're allowed to keep it in the stock configuration and tweak it a bit. And he went out and slammed it home. I mean, there's a long story behind how that's done. You'll see the Jesse Haynes interview pop up on the Rocksor Off-Road YouTube channel this later this week. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing just to talk about from a durability standpoint, and you know, it's it's not. You're right. If you're the the Can Am guy who's going to go out and and go, you know, 80 miles an hour across the desert, this might not be for you. But I'll tell you, there's an honesty and a simplicity that just puts a smile on your face when you get behind the wheels of one of these things. Well, so Holman, in its stock form, yeah. I, I go to like Burt's Mega Mall or somewhere that that sells the Rock Store, right? Locally and stock, will it rock crawl? Like, tell me what its capabilities are right out of the box. I mean, it's super simple. It's a diesel. It's a decent transfer case. It's solid axles. It's uh, is it thirty one inch tires, Eric? Yes. Yeah, thirty one inch tires, leaf springs, and it just works. It's just it it it's the driving experience is what you would expect from a vintage vehicle, except it's modern in the sense that it has upgraded brakes and components and uh you know a, a modern engine and things like that and it i remember when it first came out we all looked at it and went we we want to build a like a rock crawler on 40s with that thing you know with the diesel it's being so torque but it, but it wouldn't turn them would it absolutely in would fact really? people have people have made big old roxers for for rock crawling and stuff now, for fun. what is this that i heard that there was there's another in Indian engine that didn't make it over here that's more powerful. Is that correct? No, not oh. that I know of. I mean, there, there, there's lots of other engines. This one's out of the Indian SUV called a THAR, T-H-A-R. You can Google it for more information. It's it's really a nice motor. Uh, you know, it's it's a, a relative of the old diesel tractor motors, but, of course, this is balancers, counterbalancers in it. It's smooth. It's super quiet. I just snuck up on a whole band of wild Mustang horses here in northern Nevada last weekend, and, you know, they could barely hear it. It's it's a nice, tight little motor. It's beautiful. And, and of course, it, it pulls, like I said, 3,490 pounds worth of trailer weight and towing capacity. So it's reliable as all get out. And 
the ranchers and farmers dig it because they can use it, they can pound it, they can beat it to death for five days and then go hunting with it on or fishing with it on weekends. It's really a seven-day use machine on a ranch, and it's kind of more designed and built for that, but we recreational truck guys, uh, we want to take it to Moab and hammer it. And I took a stock one on the on the Rubicon Trail before the snow fell this last winter. Stock, 31-inch tires, stock skid plates, stock gearing, stock everything. We loaded it up with stuff and took it out and we we did it in a day and a half. The uh, whole the whole Rubicon Trail, thirty ones. That's pretty impressive. And it's it's so compact. It you it's so easy to drive. It's not like today's big you know big vehicles where you have to go up and over. You can go between stuff. Like it's just super maneuverable. It's just like I said. There's just an honest fun about it where you just laugh and you giggle because it's it's such a pure like throwback driving experience and. I mean, what's not to love? The 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 thing is freaking cool. And for 2020, you guys have made upgrades, like you talked about the automatic transmission. Before it was a manual only, so they've added that. Obviously, I'm a manual guy, so you know that makes me smile. Has the aftermarket come with parts, dude? There's people tuning those little diesels for like double the power. Who, really? Who do we just have on a few shows ago? Mm. Uh, oh, calibrated power. Oh yeah. They were talking about doing uh, tuning those things up, and they were making like ridiculous power out of it. Which is awesome. I'm like, oh, I'm all for it. Well, it worked for Jesse to win King of the Hammers. And, you know, I loved his quote when he crossed the finish line, took his helmet off, says, oh, look, we still have half a tank of fuel left. (laughs) (laughs) Gas zipper, fuel zipper. So uh, what are are we looking at, Holman, for price-wise on these things? And how does it compare to a Maverick X3? I just so side-by-side to a side-by-side. I realize they they are kind of different animals now, but if I've got – you know, let's call it 25, 30K to spend, what am I getting? You can get a really well, nice yeah. rock store. Yeah, you can, a lot. And we've got tons of accessories, literally hundreds of them on our website at rocksoreoffroad.com. In fact, sometimes I think we're an accessory company in need of a rock store to survive. But that's kind of a blend of what Phil Knight at Nike used to say, we're a marketing company that needs product to survive. Sounds about we're right. an accessory-driven machine because the rock store is a blank canvas. And for about 16000 bucks, you can buy a bare naked version of it and accessorize it any way you want. You want to go ranching. You want to go into sand. You want to go exploration. I want polka dots, you know, Eric. You, I can do that. We have 400 colors right now from PPG out of Detroit. That's exactly kind of the, the target we're going after is the personalization of a rock sort. You know, you, you can go buy a, a Polaris Razor or a Maverick X3, but you might get the cho- choice of two colors, and that's it. What we're doing and what we're offering is a complete configurator that has 10,000 different choices and combinations of products and colors and now custom wraps. If Domino's Pizza wants polka dots and a full wrap, we can do it, and they can deliver off-road by GPS coordinates. That's bonkers that an OE is offering a wrap. It sounds counterintuitive. Uh, no, no, Land Rover is now offering a wrap, a wrap on their uh, new Defenders. What? From the factory. Why? It's an aircraft-grade wrap. It's what they wrap airplanes with. Okay. And they've done it so that when you go to sell it, if you've been off-roading, you have fresh paint. You can re- you can peel it off two or three years after your lease ends, and they still have fresh paint underneath. No, I mean I li- listen. I understand. And you can do satin finishes on it, but that's uh-huh. all from from the factory on the new Defender. I wonder if they're wrapping it, if they're taking it all apart, like at what, what stage they're wrapping it. So when uh, he would know, 
Eric, where, when are you wrapping them? Before you put on the taillights and the headlights so you can My wrap- name is Lightning and I'm here to say I want to find out about your wraps today. <laughs> yes, we can and, and we do. We've got, you know, the whole paint boost there and we will wrap it just before we install the taillights and, you know, bumpers and stuff too because it, the body will go right in line with the rest of the painted ones and it'll, it'll go off to a diverted room where we – one of the first things we did, and our, our CEO, Rick Haas, hired one of the first people he hired literally a year and a half ago was a professional wrapping team. And I mean WRAP. And yeah, they, can, <laughs> they can sing on the side too, yes. but these guys dressed out Ted Nugent's zebra striped Roxor to the T. It was beautiful. He, he um, wasn't spitting you know, rhymes is what you're saying, It would have been funnier if he no. brought in like the Wu-Tang Clan. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we can do just about anything you want. And we've be great YouTube we've video. done some pretty wild stuff, even with 400 rainbow colors on one vehicle. Uh, what's the nuttiest just, one that someone's ordered that you've seen or seen a picture of? Okay, it was for a woman. Came off the configurator. The, the steel body was hot pink, and then it had real tree extra brown yes. camouflage <laughs> trim on top of that yes and leaving all of the pink trim around the corners of the edge probably the wackiest i've seen i mean it was heinous, <laughs> <laughs> heinous. <laughs> hey but man you can't, you can't judge the make make them your own that's uh you make them your way you're, you're like burger king over there at the old rockster factory i love the fact that they even offer a rockford fosgate system in here you they know do I mean? you got full tunes and, and did you know for uh 2020 they dropped the uh the gears from 373s all the way down to 538s so now you're making the most of that 144 pound feet of torque makes a difference too it does climb a little better for sure i mean wish i had that on the rubicon last year it's, it's pretty awesome so, so 16599 it's it's a cheap it, it i mean it's a it's a Aff- good deal it's affordable it's affordable it's affordable but it here's the thing eric i got to be honest if i owned this it would drive me up a freaking wall that i couldn't take it on the road because i you have to trailer this thing everywhere well i'm i'm curious about that uh since you can register a utv in like places like arizona are there people who have registered rock source yeah i mean we're the manufacturer and we'll tell you that it was not built for on-road use only. It doesn't have crash zones or crumple zones. It doesn't have airbags or five-mile-an-hour bumpers. It was built for off-road just like a UTV. It is a UTV by definition. So, you know, from a manufacturer's aspect, I'm going to tell you, no, it's not built for the street. It's not safe for the street because it doesn't comply to DOT's Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. However, certain states you know, in certain communities will allow you to put down the street like a golf cart, you know, in some places or at certain uh, posted streets under 35 miles an hour to get from farm field to farm field or trailhead to trailhead. So every community is different. I mean, you go to Lake Havasu City, you know, in Arizona on the Colorado River, it's a whole new world down there. Everybody's driving UTVs with whip antennas to church. Um, it's, it's a cultural thing. And Moab's the same way. Uh, there are seven rock stores for rent in Moab right now at cliffhanger.com, cliffhanger rentals. Each one of them is named after one of the seven dwarfs from, <laughs> from Snow White. So I, rent, I rented Sleepy and Sneezy and yeah, they're, they're allowed, they're licensed and they're insured to occasionally run down the pavement to get to the trailhead. 
in certain cities and certain states, certain uh, communities like that. There are exceptions, but we will tell you as the manufacturer, it is not built for the street. All right, so uh, so taking it off the street, I know that you have gone on some pretty epic adventures, one of them being the uh, Pony Express route with uh, four-wheelers' own Jared Corfage. Jared's awesome. I love that guy. Um, it was really fun to hang out with him for three or four days on the Pony Express trail. We had, you know, like I, I'm usually known as the mothership. I over-prepare for these things, so I had ammo and rifle boxes full of, uh, you know, spare gear. We had... States I thought you were going to say spare and, ammo because that's how I carry my ammo boxes. In, in, well, we did, <laughs> spare ammo we boxes with spare ammo. <laughs> yeah. Um, we took all sorts of interesting stuff with us too, including drones. And we got some great shots way out there uh, on the Pony Express Trail, which is really a piece of American history. It only lasted 18 months, but was outdated, of course, by high technology known as the telegraph. And what yeah. states does that go through? Remind me. for, for... And how long is it? Starts in St. Joe, Missouri, goes all the way to Sacramento, California, where it then bumps onto a uh, riverboat to get to San Francisco. So there were, uh, I want to say, hundreds, hundreds of stations, thousands of horses that had to be bought. Uh, it was a big enterprise, and it was uh, 1,600 miles long, and they could do it in 12 days on a horse. Uh, Abraham Lincoln needed a communication device to get to California during the Civil War. California, of course, had the gold that would help him finance the war. Uh, so he really needed it. And Nevada, where I live here near Lake Tahoe, was also part of that route. The Pony Express Trail actually goes right outside my house right here. So I've become a little bit of a fanatic about the history, the very short-lived history of the Pony Express. And how much of it is paved versus dirt, or what does it look like? Um, the part across northern Nevada and Utah is still dirt, and it's paralleled by Highway 50, which is known as America's loneliest highway. Uh, so so it's out there. I mean, if you want to I've ride I've always a wanted to do bike, that. Well, come ride, you know, ride a Harley or take one of your old, you know, cool vintage cars or trucks, drive the 50, and parallel to it, will be the dirt roads that Jared experienced on the Pony Express. And they intersect at a couple of towns here and there. So we were able to plan it out so that we could actually sleep in hotels and refuel and then hit the dirt trail the next day. How far off the, the road does that dirt trail go? I mean, does it dip into, into the countryside and the desert, et cetera, or does it straddle the road the whole way? Oh, it doesn't straddle the whole road at, at all. Oh, okay. it's, it's, it's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you can look 360 degrees for most of the road, most of the ride, and you'll never see anything man-made at all. Some of these Pony Express stations are incredibly remote. And when you really look at the structure, sometimes it's just four walls made out of rock, and they had a canvas roof on top, really, uh, really bad sulfuric-tasting water, uh, they were eat hardtack. They would barely be able to feed the horses. It was a tough life beating off the Indians and waiting for the next Pony Express rider to come through. It's really, really remote stuff. And, of course, I had to ask the stupid question of one of the Pony Express experts here in Nevada. How did these guys find their way from station to station? And the answer was obvious. Well, they didn't have to. The horses knew. 
just let the horse go. He'll find his way to food. The oh, uh, the original nice. autonomous driving. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> also, well also good for when yeah. you were uh, you had a little too much liver killer at the old saloon. Just get on a uh, old Macy there and let her take you home. Just kick her in the yep. ass and go. <laughs> and and they go, man. They go fast too. That every station stations were every twelve to fifteen miles, but riders changed about every sixty to seventy miles. And there was one record done by uh, one Pony Express rider because his his buddy was killed by Indians and he had to go th- through three stations, turn around and come back. This guy rode 350 miles on a horse at a full gallop in 36 hours. It oh was God. incredible. Yeah. So how do you how do you think your butt feels after that? Sore. Those were <laughs> or like I was in prison. Men were men. (laughs) Google Pony Bob. Pony Bob Haslin, and you'll see the story. All right. Entering Pony Bob. (laughs) Pony Bob, yeah. It's an incredible sort of story, the stuff like that. But we take the rock stores, and and we really enjoy kind of experiencing part of Americana. Um, We took a couple down to Texas, you know, and we we herded cattle. We, We ranched, and rolled out barbed wire. And then at night we'd go hog hunting. You know, we, we've taken them to Alaska with uh, mat tracks, track layers on them and done service work uh, on ski resorts at the Alyeska ski resort there in Girdwood, Alaska. I, I've been um, there before, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I have. We did maintenance on the railroad that goes through there. I mean, we're using rock source for not just exploration, adventure and recreation, but for fun. I mean, we've got, potash mines in Saskatchewan, Canada that lower these things three miles below the crust of the earth into the, <gasps> oh, into see, the just oh. said, he just said lighting's favorite thing. Mines. Can you, can you, I bet every, <laughs> every anyone guess, that comes on yeah. our show that talks about mining, I plead mining? with them. Yes. Mining. I am fascinated with mines and the deeper, the better. If this is three got, miles. If you, oh my God, if you've got any juice, I know that sometimes now, I would imagine that I haven't gone in one of these yet, these super deep ones, because you've got to be certified and on there, you've got to be an employee and all these things. Uh, I would almost, I would, I am to the point where I would quit this job. You can't even spit out what you would do. I'm so excited. I would quit this job and get hired on as a, as a mine worker yeah, and for, then you for about like six months. And then by the, your lunch break, you'd be like, I'm out. Nah, I could do it. Nope. I no, could do it. No, you're soft. No, are you kidding oh, me? You're, you're tubby soft. No, I want to come up like all black, just covered yeah. in coal yeah, and that'd everything be, else. That'd be six hours in, and you'd be like, Where's my Snickers? Nah. Dude. Where's my <laughs> Snickers? MMs. Uh-huh. Come on, man. Well, I'll talk to your wife. I'm going to talk to your wife before I take you because, you know, you got the slightest bit of claustrophobia. You're, you know, no, I'm all over it. I don't have claustrophobia, and I'm all over it. He, he doesn't even have feelings. I'm serious. Now, hold on, Eric. Do you have juice with, this, with one of these mines or not? I do. I've wanted to take video of them actually lowering it down three miles and then using it. They put on smaller wheels so that it has a lower overall height and can get through the tunnels. They also put in some kind of extra uh, electronic spark control on the ignition. Um, they do special lighting, side lighting, rear lighting, etc. But they, they're kind of like squatty. They, they lower them. They don't lift them. They do the opposite. Uh, I, and I want to really see this, but they don't really want us taking videos down there, and I can only imagine why. Well, Eric, why. that's the uh, beauty of a podcast. We can take some microphones down there, 
and uh, they won't see it. And then we, we could, could just do that right now. Yeah, we could just uh, we could leave lightning behind. I mean, we no, could. No, I'm all. I want to do this. I'm serious. And so they'll drop vehicles down, and the salinity is so high, and the moisture that these things yep. only last a few months, and they turn to rust. And so, and some of the mine, some of the elevator cars that go down are so small that they have to disassemble the vehicles, send them down as parts, and then rebuild them when they're down there. On the mine show. Sorry. And they send the rock source down nose first. They can't lower them flat. They have, they have to get them in the elevator. They put them front bumper straight down vertically lower them down, and then somehow pull them out on caster wheels once they get to the bottom. See what I'm saying, Holman? I know. Fascinating. It is. Come on. Mind tour. Okay. On me. Mind tour. Uh, well, I, I'll go with you. I'm not going to go on you. No, no I'm <laughs> saying like if if I got if we got approved to go in a mine, uh-huh. I would buy your plane ticket. That's how excited I would be All to right. go. I'm in. I only fly first class, you know. I'm not going to pay for you. <laughs> well, how about something more sedate, like a pistachio farm in Kingman, Arizona? I got a couple thousand acres down there and four rock stores that are, are using spray equipment. They just spray weeds all day long. Or I could take you to, if we were still having events at Madison Square Gardens, the the uh, world champion bull riding competition. By the PBR. way. PBR. Okay, so I don't know if we talked about this on the show before, but I was uh, in Vegas for I think SEMA one year, mm-hmm. and the PBR championships were going on at the same time. And Ford had yep. invited some journalists to go down to um, to watch it over at uh, at Las Vegas at uh, UNLV. And I'm thinking, ah, I'll go. I mean, why why not? It's you know? impressive. Yeah, you I go bet. there. Holy crap! Is that a good time? That is so much damn fun at the end. We got to go walk where all these angry bulls were, mm-hmm. and dude, yeah. you can't get near them. They spit on you. They snort. And uh, one guy was looking, and they go, don't look at that one in the eye. Don't touch them. Don't go anywhere near them. <laughs> and they were big old mean steers, man. It was awesome. I, I Honestly, I'll be like you know that idle Sunday where you're on the couch, and you're just like, you know, like halfway to your nap, so you're just kind of flipping through the channels. Mm-hmm. If PBR comes on, I stop. I, now, I dig it. So do you race? To, do you race to the closet and get your ten gallon hat and sit back down on the couch? <laughs> no, I'm already wearing those in my boots, and that's oh, you all are? I got. Okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> got that. In my my uh, my uh, Weber apron from barbecuing, and nothing else. You're straight country. <laughs> well, we're big sponsors of the Cowboy Channel, and uh, now Jess Lockwood, who's the world bull riding champion. Um, boy, you, you can Google those guys or go to YouTube and search them out, and it's pretty damn impressive to watch. This 22-year-old who grew up riding and bucking lambs, baby sheep, and calves, now riding a 3,000-pound Brahma bull for eight seconds, hey, and then more, choosing uh, to get more off. weight than your mini. Oh yeah. my God, it's insane! <laughs> you should see uh, you see lightning bucking on his uh, lowered mini on a regular basis. Probably looks very similar. I was bucking this morning when I got a flat tire in it, dude. Yeah, I saw your nail. Yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, nail was a screw. Yeah, you know, uh, you know what you wouldn't get a flat tire in? A bull? Rockstar? Oh, a Rockstar. Uh, yes. Also a bull. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, are you got a mini wheel drive, the Countryman? No, no, it's no, freaking old he's school, got a dude. sad old I yellow guess. mini with a white wrap on it. Yeah, dude, it's an 05. It's an S. It scoots around. It's fun on the, you know, in the in the uh, in the in the twisties, but 
Nah, it's, yeah, it sucks everywhere it's else. It's tired, yeah. <laughs> it's tired. And it has a flat. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why you it's had the wife tell your ride today. Yeah, I know. I halfway expected you to have the uh, C20 down here when I saw the flat. I was going to, except it doesn't have windshield wipers. Yeah, we well, don't need those. Just go fast you, enough you to blow the rain off. No, dude, this is the trip on the C20. Yeah. I drove it with my kid the other day, and it started to rain. Uh-huh. What? It's got some weird film <laughs> on the windshield that the rain like it just sticks. sticks. It is like saran wrap. <laughs> it is, I, I can't even see through Gavin, it. get out on the hood and start wiping. Dude, I'm not even joking. I couldn't see anything. I was out there wiping with my hand. Like I, I was like blind. <laughs> anyway, we're off topic here. So, Eric. As usual. You, you have a great job. Because just the adventures you've talked about in the last 10 minutes, like this. Listen, we're all stuck right now in quarantine. If we can give anybody just a little bit of a glimpse of adventure to feel like they're being entertained and not doing something. That's that's I'm good with that. I think Eric has uh, provided that tonight. Well, so what right now, Eric, are there any special COVID-19 Deals. I know you've got something called the Beast of a Sales event going on right now. It's like twelve hundred fifty bucks off a twenty nineteen Rocksor. Uh, is this a great time to buy a Rocksor? Tell me about that. The the financial situation. We just launched a lease. Oh. You can lease a Rocksor now for under one hundred ninety bucks a month. You don't have to worry about trade in values. You can accessorize the heck out of it. Even uh, there, there's even some other financial incentives in that program. If you go to rocksoaroffroad.com, I think it's slash lease, um, or just check out our website at rocksoaroffroad.com and you'll find out more of the details. Um, we've just teamed up with a, a, a real nice finance, financial uh, operation that is enabling us to lease these things. And to me, that's, that's a really cool option for an off-road only vehicle to be able to lease it, whether you're doing it for recreation or whether you're doing it for your hobby farm, it's a great opportunity. Plus, you know, if, if it's part of your business, you get the tax deduction. I've never heard of leasing an off-road vehicle before. We did huh. it. Yeah. Congrats. So check it out. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of cool things going on. I mean, some of the exciting, more adventurous things I've done lately, and you'll be able to see all of these videos on our YouTube channel Rocksor Off-Road is our name. Um, you got to include the off-road. But I just did, you know, a bug-out bag. <laughs> so you can see what a Rocksor bug-out bag looks like and what it's in, what's in it. I just also finished a couple-minute, five-minute video on wild Mustangs. It's called The Mustangs. That'll be popping up this week, too, on our YouTube channel. I'm up here in northern Nevada where we have lots of bands of wild Mustangs, which are related to the Spanish Mustangs brought over by the conquistadors in the 1500s. And of course they proliferated. They're considered feral animals, a lot like the feral hogs, which the Spanish also brought over and just let loose starting in Florida. They've spread everywhere else. But I like bacon. The Mustang. Yeah, the bacon. I, I can buy <laughs> frozen, frozen feral hog sausage in my grocery store now. Really? Uh, it's, it's out there because they're, they're proliferating at such a, a rate now that they're pests. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to figure out what to do with them. So depending, I hunted them in Texas. Depending on the time of year, if you go wheeling in uh, in Nevada, even uh, southwestern Nevada, uh, you will sometimes come across the wild Mustangs. Uh, I've come across them out by Prim and stuff like that before. Yeah. And they're actually – the I've been around a few. I've got some pictures where I'm within like five feet of one. 
and he was yep. pretty friendly, but uh, I wasn't going to go any closer. We, I worked <laughs> my way up to him, and he was he was big and white and cool, and I'm like, that's enough. He wasn't having any of your shenanigans. No, no. He, I, I honestly think I could have gotten closer, but I'm like, I don't know if uh, if wild mustangs. Uh, I mean, obviously they're used to people and they're used to vehicles, and this guy was just chewing on some, you know, stuff on yeah. the side of the road. But I wasn't sure, and I thought they're maybe maybe dumb. They tend to be hazards if you hit one, of course, on the freeway or the highway. So we have to be really careful driving at night in northern Nevada, southern Nevada too, on those back roads. But oh yeah. One of the interesting things that we're doing here in Nevada because of the overpopulation on BLM land is actually capturing some of these folks, some of these Mustangs. We try and auction them off, but there aren't enough folks to buy them or to bid on them. So they're now being used as therapy animals in the Nevada state prisons. Every prisoner is assigned here in Carson City Prison a wild Mustang. And his job is to care for it, feed it, Keep it clean. Teach it how to jump break, over fences. And eventually break <laughs> it and then escape. <laughs> but no, there's a whole movie with Bruce Dern in it that came out last year called The Mustang. You might if you're if you got time on your hands, which many of us do right now, go to Netflix and and search out the Mustang. It's a great movie about how Eric two wild is animals. A, Eric's a wealth of a Google and YouTube uh, fodder right now. I love it. I've got something to do for like two weeks just from this one podcast. He's uh, oh yeah, he's a, a historian. We're finding. Oh, out. he is definitely a historian, and he's a paleontologist. A, what he does? What what's the other one? Archaeologist? No, biology. Biology. But he said he's an archaeologist. Well. I don't know. <laughs> no, he's not. A, he's not a gemologist. <laughs> so here's the next thing Rockstar is going to do in June, assuming COVID is uh, reasonable and you know passed a little bit is we're going to go hunt dinosaurs in South Dakota. Um, it, this one's called, oh, the name, the Latin name of this particular meat-eating dinosaur is Dracorex hogwartsia, which is named after, of course, Harry Potter's sure. Hogwarts University. And it's very much like that fire-breathing dragon that's, that's in the movie. And uh, this fellow who discovered it literally a couple of years ago Really, it's about a seven-foot-tall dinosaur that's the most evil-looking, meat-eating raptor you could ever imagine, much more so than anything you've ever seen on Jurassic Park. It's been on the cover of National Geographic, and we're going to go find some more bones of Draco Rex Hogwartsia in June. Where? South Dakota, in the Badlands, because that's where the erosion really leaves out the layers uh, for the the past million years, you can actually kind of look vertically at the strata and and pick the time period of Jurassic or Pleistocene and where you want to look by the layers in the Badlands. I'm looking at it right now on on the old Google, and that's a uh, that's a mean looking dinosaur. How does oh. someone get involved in this, Eric? I mean, you you teased us with all these events that Rockstar does. Um, I'm not really seeing it on the website. How do I get involved? We, um, we're building the lifestyle of Roxor now. And part of the way in which we're doing that is with a magazine called Roxor Adventure Magazine. And adventure, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird word. Everybody has a different interpretation on what it means to them. You know, to some folks, it means to ride my Harley down to the local bar and back. That's an adventure. And, you know, 
sitting, to me it might be sitting in a podcast drive, studio during COVID, six yeah, feet apart in a tiny room. Right not, now, exactly, not really. Exactly. <laughs> My Trans Africa adventure, I'll tell you about on the next podcast. But that wasn't that was on a motorcycle. That wasn't really on a that wasn't in a rock sort. But now we're we're doing all sorts of wild and crazy things, fun things, adventurous things, but also utilitarian things including rock crawling at King of the Hammers and the Rubicon, but we'll go spray weeds in Kingman, Arizona on a pistachio ranch. You know, we'll, we'll go do the pony express trail with one of your editors, Jared Corfage. Uh, we'll go hunt dinosaur bones. We'll go hunt feral hogs in Texas. We'll also do a, you know, a ranching video, but that's just sort of points to how rock source can be used in real life. Uh, they've got a 75 year story. They're going to be around for another 75 years for sure, but this is how we use them. Now, we're not going to necessarily win the, the score Baja 1000 or the Ultra 4 Unlimited class anywhere, but we're going to do, do our own thing. And we've actually created somewhat of a new category in off-road-only vehicles. Well, I'm in. I wasn't in, and now I think I am. You weren't in. Well, come on I was along. not in. I, I was it any secret? I was not in. I, I was on the. I was like, I don't understand. I want this thing to why be on do road. Listen, why do listeners want to hear about Roxor? Why is Eric coming on? And then you, yeah. shot me your yeah. typical lightning look. Like, well, I'm just saying. That, like, well, I was no. I mean, I knew. Now I, I've, you. I've seen Roxor advertised. I've, but I didn't really understand the concept. I, I get it, kind of, sort of, as or got it. As a as a ranch hand vehicle, but I wasn't thinking it uh, of it as you know talking about Moab and through the Badlands and, and places like that. I can I can see it being more fun than a, a traditional side by side. Well, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but look at the metaphor of a, a Harley Davidson versus a crotch rocket. Everybody's different. I love Harley Davidsons because they they're heavy, they're slow, and they they vibrate, and I love it. It's what I love about the Harley Davidson category. Uh, but, you know, you don't ride them fast. You ride them to smell the roses and to see the scenery and to hang out with your friends. But then you get on a crotch rocket, whole different scene. Wow, this thing's fast. This is high performance. Suspension's amazing. Full radials, tires are awesome. You know, the power band is wide. The gear shift ratios are tremendous. Completely different experience than the Harley Davidson. And we're sort of similar to that in the off-road world. We're not high performance, even though guys like Ned Bacon and Jesse Haynes will try and prove us wrong and go race them, which <laughs> I think is awesome. I love it. I love it. I love that kind of ingenuity. Um, and and I, we'll have to talk about Ned in a second if you if we have time. Sure. But um, you know, and what what he did to take it take one to the Sonora Rally. And into the Nora 1000, he did the Rubicon three days before me because he caught wind that I was going to go do it, so he had to beat me. That sounds like Ned. Guy. Well, what kind of mods did first... he do? Um, he did a three-inch, four-inch lift kit, bigger wheels and tires, um, a Nora-compliant roll cage. Uh, he bumped up the leaf springs, and Sean, you know more about this than I do. He probably added a add a leaf, but more uh, a bigger, steeper parabolic curve to those leaf springs. He also added uh, Spartan lockers, and honestly, oh, he tweaked the EFI, and that's about it. Um, and put in radio and nav gear. 
and then he went and did the Sonora Rally with his wife, Cat Bacon, who's uh, this beautiful little hard-as-a-rock woman who knows how yeah, to Kat's awesome. drive off-road. I the, mean, it is a husband-wife the, team those that two, phenomenal. When they found each other, they like they are the, the, perfect, uh, the perfect match, that's for sure. Yep, yep. Good people. Well, it's funny. They, they didn't finish first in the, the Sonora Rally, but they ended up hauling the Subarus out of the sand, and they were kind of, you know, in front of the the, the chase crew all day, um, and they finished fine. They got their trophies, came home, and were happy. The Nora 1000, I think they got big podium, that third place in their class, because one of the one of the big V8 Broncos broke down. <laughs> but that's racing, you know. That's how you win. Hey, reliability is half the equation. It's not always just yeah. about speed. Ask uh, it's, it's, ask Robbie Gordon. <laughs> tortoise and the hare. Tortoise and the hare, and we're. We tend to be the tortoise, and that's the way Jesse Haynes, too, won King of the Hammers this year in February, was just, I think he started dead last out of 34. And, you know, in the 4,600 class, there were 150 cars, and he just picked his way through, uh, and just through persistence, ended up working his way to uh, to the front of the pack. He was in second place, I think, in the last 20 miles. Uh, the first place guy stuck himself on a rock, high centered, flipped it over to the side. Jesse had to try and go around uh, and ended up flipping the rock sore on its side on top of the lead car, which was dead, stopped. They ended up using the high lift jack to jack the rock sore off of the other car, got around him, and went on to win. <laughs> Can't even make that stuff up. No. No. No, it's real life. You can't make it up. It's 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 amazing. So there's tons of those stories with those guys that are out doing wild stuff. I've got a few myself, but um, we've got big plans for the Rocksore. We're continuing to grow the market. I think we're still in a point where the brand needs to become more well known in a wide variety of circles. You know, I don't think we're that that number one choice for the broad market, but we fit into a lot of little niches. Yeah, you're, you're for the right guy. You're exactly yeah. what he needs. Exactly, and it, I mean the preppers now are looking all over it. You know, they, well, let's put a Faraday bag on this thing and on the electronics, and when the EMP comes, you know, from North Korea <laughs> after COVID, then you know we'll be ready in our rock store. So, well, I know who know, I'm those... calling because I uh, I also like pistachios. So uh, if I can get out to the ranch, I, I, I'm gonna. Uh, Gonna live off your water and your nuts in the middle of uh, whatever we have to go through. <laughs> you can his water and his nuts. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I said that. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll leave it at that. Hey, then. hey on that note, if you're uh, looking to uh, purchase a new Rockstar, head over to Rockstar R O X O R Offroad.com. Check out the new lease, uh, some of the deals, uh, accessorize on their uh, build it uh, tool. And then across social, also at Rocksore Off-Road, you can uh, subscribe to uh, the Rocksore Adventure magazine. Uh, so much information. And then head over to fourwheeler.com. We have a bunch of different Rocksore stories and articles of different things that our team has done on it. And it's just uh, it's just cool. It's I mean, if they, if they were going to choose someone to make to bring the Rocksore and give it life as far as publicity is concerned, it's Eric. Like, he's living a cool life. Just chasing Mustangs three days ago and then did my bug out bag video in the middle of nowhere uh, yesterday. And I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Maybe snowplow the driveway if, uh, <laughs> if if we get snow tonight. 
None of those options were on my list no, this week. No, it sounds like his, uh, <laughs> it's very opposite of what we're doing. We had to sit on the 405 in it, 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 slow traffic because it rained. Yeah, because somebody right. couldn't drive. <laughs> right. Ruined the whole thing for everybody. He did that. Whole- Eric, thank you for bringing the rock star to our, uh, to our listeners. Um, if and to just, Lightning's attention. And to my attention. No, I knew about it, but I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I, I've got a better grasp for it now. If Eric said, come out to the ranch and spend the weekend driving this thing, we'll go on a little adventure, would you do it? 100%. Yeah, well, I'm, I might be heading down to Kingman, Arizona soon and maybe meet you guys. I don't know. How about in the middle of Nevada, like Tonopah? Let us know. And, uh, uh, we'll, we'll go drive. That'd I need awesome. to get, dude, I need to get out of the city bad in a bad way. Uh, oh, by the, by the way, this is on you. It is on me. Because I invited you out to the desert. I was and, getting some heat from the wife. and you and Legitimately, I got some heat from the wife. You've been giving me heat for not taking you places and, and going on a day trip for about three months now. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of all of us quarantining, Eric, I offered Lightning an opportunity to come out with me with a new vehicle and he turned, out. turned me down. I turned you down. Well, and I'll explain off air why I did. <laughs> but the wife was like, you started a project, you got to finish it. And you're not going home until it's done. And I'm like, oh, you're okay, right. mom. Okay. Uh, it was like that. I mean, she's like, you can go, but you're going to feel guilty. I'm like, oh, okay. You're so, right. Eric, I think the bottom line is lightning will go, but you have to clear it with his wife first. No, 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 no. This one, uh, we'll the, do project, that. the project's done. I'm in. If Eric schedules this, it's Whoa, a go. What's wrong with you? You've been, you have a new house. You've been married for like 20 something years. Yeah. You know there's no project that's ever done. No, no, that's true. Well, this one- They're like shark's teeth. No, one falls out and the next one comes in. This one in. infringes on where she parks her car and stuff, so I'd like- oh, uh, yeah. you know, It's that, a quality that, of life that. issue. Exactly. For her. <laughs> For her. Well, I'll show you guys how to build face masks out of blue shop towels and a paper clip, along with some scotch tape and two rubber bands, and your, and your wives will be totally fine with it. Bring your nitrile gloves from the solvent tank, and we'll be good. Uh, I, I grow my own mask right on my face. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a baleen whale. I filter everything that comes through. You don't filter anything. You've got viruses living in there from five years That's ago. That's why I'm so healthy. <laughs> I'm immune. Good good to chat with you, my friend. Thank you, boys. Appreciate it. It was really fun. You got it. All right. Thanks, Eric. I'll right, we'll talk to you soon. Right. Yeah. See you on one of these adventures soon. All right. Bye. You got it. Talk to you. Bye. Holman, it's time to listen to some five-star hotline. Lightning, Holman, it's uh, Riley Watson. Again, I've called in a few times. <clears throat> I've recently come to my senses on the whole truck thing. I'm doing a L29 swap into a 81 Chevy K30. It's going to be pretty legit, I think. <laughs> Just uh, hoping to see what you think. See ya. I love the Google translation, by the way, of this. Yeah, the Google translation was awesome. I think just hopping to get stink. Is what it says here. Instead of, I just want to know what you guys think. Holman, what is your opinion about the uh, 81 Chevy K30? Uh, uh, awesome. It, okay, with that with that engine in it? <laughs> Which engine, Lightning? The L29? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it'll be awesome. You know what? Uh, his dad is Stephen Watson at Off-Road Design. I, have, I heard rumors that he may be on a future episode of the Truck Show podcast. Mm. Is that true? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Keep <laughs> Stay tuned. Keep listening for stay more. Stay tuned. Riley, keep up what you're doing. This is Mafia John. I told Holman I'd leave a message. Just want to say, I, for one, 
will not only skip Lightning's birthday this year, but I plan to do it for the following three years. Oh, no, come on now. <laughs> That's funny. I did So for the backstory, you guys didn't hear, uh, I inadvertently posted a photo to Facebook <laughs> and didn't realize that it was a photo that I had posted uh, last year, the year before, on my birthday, and uh-huh. I just wrote another year. It was hashtag another right. year. And everybody started wishing you happy birthday, and I hopped on and went, stop, it's not it's, it's not this man's birthday. And did it, I did not realize that it was hashtag. Until when? W- until. Your dad. My father started <laughs> telling everyone on my page, it's not his birthday. I felt like your dad and I were aligned and trying to champion the cause of not letting people think that you deserve more birthday But it was presents. like, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, why, why do people think it's my birthday? And I was like, I was dumbfounded. And then I see the hashtag. I'm like, oh my god! I didn't. And I, but like I told you, I always try to hide those photos. Whenever I update my profile photo, I say hide from timeline. Doesn't work. Doesn't hide it from my timeline. Everyone comments on it. Like, what's the point of having hide from timeline button if it doesn't freaking work? Facebook. That's awfully defensive for a mistake. Yes, it is. (laughs) Simply because I don't say happy birthday to anyone, anyways. For the most part, Facebook has uh, filled that void in my life. Um, and I'm perfectly happy with it. Happy not birthday, Lightning. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, for that podcast. You know, a lot of essential listeners here. I'm um, listen to the podcast. We appreciate it. Got a hour and a half to two in the end of the day. So you know, to be able to, be able to send all you guys on, you know, take care of at least half that trip. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Right on, Mafia Two John. hour commute would blow. Uh, you mean like the one I have? I mean, well, but it's not in one direction. Well, it's an hour and 15 to hour and a half in one direction. Yeah. For 30 miles. Yeah, it's bad news. Yeah, that sucks. That's, uh, don't do that. Quit. If only, <laughs> if, only I had pod- if only I had podcasts to listen to. Yeah. What's up, light beer and honeycomb? Hey, this is Jordan here with Daytona <laughs> Truck Meet. Just wanted to call in and say, hey, guys, I hope you all are doing good over there. Everything seems to be going pretty good over here, over in Florida. So, anyways, just the, uh, little word of advice, I probably wouldn't go below 90 minutes on your episodes. You might have a riot on your hands. Just saying, you guys keep up the good work, and I'll see you soon. That's what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, Jordan. Good to hear you're live, our ginger friend. Do we break the news to him on the podcast? Or no, we, we, did actually... last, we did last episode. We did? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There is no news to break. We just left it at until we find out if we're allowed to travel within the next two months. We have no idea. I mean, I think I think the travel bans will be lifted by. by Let's June. hope so. Yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to uh, to have some you know budget and go out so there. So if they are lifted, are we going? Yeah, Daytona yeah. truck meet. Yeah, if they're lifted, I want to go. If they're not, sorry, Jordan. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> we'll miss you. We'll see you okay. next year. Paulman, is it time to call uh, Mr. John Curry and Brandon Curry? I think they are they second or third generation. Curries. Well, it depends how you look at it. They're definitely third generation Curries in business. But with their new setup, maybe it's only a two-generation business. Yeah, where does Rock Jock fit into this? Hmm. Mm. I mean, we could uh, we could surmise, or we could just call him. Well, that would be cheating. All right, let's cheat. No, it'd be an interview. <laughs> okay, that's right. <laughs> dial and smile, Holman. You have the phone. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Oh, damn it. No, that's not the number. We're off to a I, bad start. <laughs> I've got the right number right oh, okay. here. Okay, all right. Then you should dial. Hello? Hello, hello, Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast. Is this Brandon and or John? Yes, both of us. Fantastic. <laughs> we got a lot to get to. Hold on just a second. Welcome to the parts department. Screw, nut, filter, oil, 
Grill. Tools. Wheels. Tires. Brakes. Lights. Gears. Belts. And your wife warns you not to. Don't you spend our money. And then you'll want to come back. Don't even care what the wife is saying about this one. Don't even. Don't even listen. I need these parts. No, my my uh, my fingers are in my ears, and she's screaming at me, and I'm like, nope, buying, spending money with Brandon and my man uh, John. Are you getting uh, Johnny joints? Or are you getting uh, Annie Rocks Way Bar? What are you getting? I think I, you got to start with the Annie Rocks, don't you? Well, I mean, I've had them on two of my Jeeps, and I love them. Well, then you'd be a good person. So yeah, that's what I'm going to start with. Should we uh, talk to our guests about the product they make? No, you and I should just go back and forth and waste their time since they're on the phone. Yes. <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, we're just uh, staying alive, working through all the craziness, and trying to provide good product to our customers. Are you guys? Uh, are you under quarantine? Are you in the same room? Or are you uh, in different houses right now? Well, we're in the same room. You know, talking on the same phone because we work together every day. So. We don't really quarantine ourselves from each other. Ah, come on, you guys are a family unit, so I think you're. I think you're good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all family here. We're sharing, every, you know, all of our germs. <laughs> so uh, we uh, recently had Casey on, and he was talking to us about some of the changes to the business, and we wanted to have you guys on to kind of reintroduce Rock Jock by John Curry to uh, to all the off-roaders out there and talk about the business these days. Yeah, sounds good. We're uh, we're excited to talk about it. Legally, it all kind of happened about the first of the year, but we've been working on it since, uh, what was it, about April of last year, or actually earlier yeah. that, March. March of last year. So it took a while. We, we kind of had a good idea what we wanted to do. It just took a while to make it all legally work and get all the details worked out, but uh, it's going good. Now, what do you mean? Give us the backstory, the legalese. So you, you split off from Curry, or how to, explain it to well, me. Basically, we kind of did a carve-out. We took... We took, Curry was basically two businesses. It was basically drivetrain, and then it was suspension, which included the sway bars and, and steering components and the Johnny joints. There was three partners. It was me, Ray, and Charlie. You know, we've been doing this since, nine, you know, well, me and my brothers have actually been partners since 1985, but my dad started the business in 1959. So it's just one of those things that came along that, we were either gonna uh well i'm 63 my brother's 64 ray i think is 60. it was just getting kind of long in the tooth and time to do something different so we had, we had entertained selling curry so we did that we kind of marketed for a while and then we were you know we weren't really satisfied with the offers that we we're getting or didn't think we'd be happy if we did did sell it um, you know put it that way so then we came up with this idea, well, if we divide it up, how would we divide it? And it just happened that the uh, um, suspension, you know, the anti-rocks and, and the Johnny joints and the steering components, if you take those items, they were about 30, uh, 31% of the gross of the, of the total company. So basically, since I own 33%, we did a carve out. We took those product that product line and started the company rock jock which rock jock was the product line under curry anyways so i took that name and took that product line and basically carved that out and we got a little bit of you know there was a little bit of cash that changed hands to get to get us started and here we are you know we weren't planning on there being a pandemic but uh you know we're also we're also uh, suppliers to the dod you know, we've never shut down. We've been working the whole time. It seems like a lot of our friends in the off-road market 
are in that same boat. We've got a, a quite a few friends who are making those parts, drivetrain and uh, suspension, and they all seem to be uh, living okay because of the military contracts, which essentially make the business uh, essential, which means that you guys can still cater to all the enthusiasts out there. And what's interesting is it seems like from what I've seen on the four-wheeler side is a lot of guys are still buying product because they have time to fix it up in their garage ready for when the season reopens. Are well, you guys seeing that? It, it, that, yeah. and I think they're just sitting on their, you know, while the wife is, is binge-watching Netflix, right? They're online just bored and consuming stuff. They're like, I'm going to yeah. order this, I'm going to order Waiting this. Waiting for the Amazon package I, to arrive. I'm guessing, guys, have you seen your your, your sales go up uh, through the site, rockjock4x4.com? Yeah, we're, we're, we're staying busy. I'm not going to say we're, you know, everything is going up and we're selling more now than we did. Um, I think we're, we're seeing some consistencies. Uh, yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of like small orders, you know, Hey, I want to rebuild my Johnny joints. Uh, let's upgrade to NA rocks. Um, I'm, you know, I'm fixing up the steering as far as sales goes, you know, we're, we're, we're staying busy. We're shipping a lot. Um, we're, we're keeping the lights on for sure. I would imagine that, uh, that the first smart decision that you guys made was, uh, being on this podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm guessing it was uh, going back to the beginning of Rock Chalk. Curry being a, a drivetrain company, how did you decide to get into uh, suspension way back? Because there has always been competition in that space, right? And then you did it as good or better than anyone else. So I, I'd like to go rewind the clock a little bit and just give a, give us some of that story and how you decided to kind of make that that leap. You know, if you go back to the early days of Curry Enterprises, you know, Curry Enterprises basically built drivetrain for electric vehicles and golf carts. And then about the time me and my brothers are graduating from high school, you know, we're looking for other stuff to do. And that was back in 1970. Well, we graduated in 1975. Well, in the early 80s, the Japanese came along and kind of took the golf cart market away. And so we were building 800 rims a month for the industrial car and golf cart market. And that went down to 400 brands a month. So Ouch. they took half of our business. And that's when we were already involved in the aftermarket. You know, I already had my own little business going. I was selling rents to California Street Rods, to TCI, to a lot of the little hot rod shops around Southern California. It goes way back to then. And when, you know, all of a sudden that business, we dropped that business, we took that part of the, you know, which was my business, and we rolled that into Curry Enterprises. So Curry Enterprises started advertising, you know, like nationwide and magazines. We had people like Tom McMullen come to us and say, hey, I need a room for my hot rod. How can you guys don't advertise? How can you don't sell a kit? You know, and Tom kind of got us going down the road of advertising in the magazines. So there's... It goes back a long way, you know. I know you guys know who I'm talking about. You know, maybe a lot of people don't recognize his name. Oh, yeah. But, you know, so that kind of got us into the automotive aftermarket. And then our product line was kind of developed by what people were asking for. People would ask for, hey, I need a, a nine-inch rim for my V8 mini truck. And, and so we would build a rim for that. I need them for a Vega. We'd build a rim for a Vega. But our hearts, or I want to say our hearts, you know, being from Southern California, me and my brothers were always into off-roading, you know, with motorcycles and dune buggies and whatever. That's what we grew up doing. So, you know, our passion was off-road. And at some point, we're going along doing this. And my dad comes and says, hey, you know, 
you know, we've had Broncos, we've had Jeeps, we have this, that, and the other thing. You know, hey, why don't we, uh, let's go buy some Jeeps and build up some Jeeps. And so we went out and I bought a CJ7, my dad bought a CJ7, and my two brothers bought CJ7s, and we went on our way, you know, started fixing up these Jeeps. And, you know, my dad, you know, put a V8 in his, and uh, I think we built a rear end for it. And my brother, they had their ideas of what they wanted to do. One brother bought a CJ7 with a V8 in it. And then my CJ7, which is an 81 CJ7, was just a basic CJ with a manual tranny and a six-cylinder in it. And so I went down the road. I had a big block Chevy out of a, a boat uh, uh, thing I had built. So I'd sold the boat without the engine. So I had this big block Chevy sitting there. So I ended up putting a big block Chevy in my CJ7. And that's, you know, we'd put a, a nine inch in the back and I put a, 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 I built the hybrid nine inch for the front of that, where my brothers would tell me, oh, nobody ever buy that thing. You're crazy. You know, they don't need a front in that big. Well, I put basically the Dana 44 knuckles onto a nine inch Ford and put uh, 31 spline axles in it. And because it was bigger, but because the pinion was lower on the nine inch, it made the front drive shaft on my, uh, my CJ7 miss the bell housing and starter on my big block Chevy. But that became super popular. We were selling front ends and rear ends for those CJs. You know, you know this was before the YJ came out. And, you know, so that kind of started us down the road of, hey, you know, that, you know we don't think we'd ever sell one. And then we couldn't hardly build them fast enough. Now, were you selling like we, were you selling like onesie twosie, dozens, or hundreds? No, it was more like you know every week we would build. That would say maybe two or three. But okay. You got to remember this was this was a shop we were operating maybe out of ten thousand feet with ten people there. You know we're still building four hundred runs a month for the golf cart. You know the automotive aftermarket or the uh, the industrial market, and this was on top of that. And we started building Jeeps, we came up with other products to go along with these Jeeps. Let me give you the timeline here, because this is back in like the, the mid-80s when we're doing this. You know, so my Jeep was an 81, you know, is a couple years old, you know, and, you know, we're still, we're figuring out, everything still leaves springs, but people want to put V8s in this stuff. Like everything that I built for my Jeep, I made it into a product. So one was the, the, uh, the urethane greasable shackles. That was a product of Curry Enterprises. Nobody had anything like that. We did the toe shackle, which was the shackle that the front, the toe bar would hook to in the front. That was another product of, well, it was a product of mine, but it was, it was Curry Enterprises. And w- um, when, you're, when you're coming up with these products, were you scratching your head going, how has no one done this yet? Like, were you like... How, well, we- in, in my mind... I wanted to bring uh, the quality of the product to the Jeep market that we were seeing the quality of the products coming to the hot rod market. Because in my mind, most of the stuff people were building for Jeeps was like really crude. Like a rear bumper. A lot of home build stuff at the time. It was just fabricated. Yeah, uh, yeah, a rear bumper was a piece of angle iron. Yeah, exactly. Welded on the back of your frame. A front bumper was a piece of channel iron what, what was it, it nobody is, had a nice form bumper but nobody is it a budget thing a, it Holman, like is it was it a budget thing no, back I, then it, or was it just the lifestyle of no, you it, just, it was basically no, it was it was one of those things is you know I, I built stuff that i wouldn't have in my own vehicle 
And it just happened out. That was the same thing that other people wanted to have on their vehicles. Yeah, I think that the aftermarket for the off-road side just wasn't mature by then, right? I mean, right? No, it was very, it was very early. Yeah. That. The only aftermarket shackle that was available at the time was made by a company called Confer, and it was two square pieces of metal strap welded together with a square piece of tubing in the middle. That was a, you know, and that was an extended shackle. And then our shackle bolted together with greasable bolts that came with the bushings, gold zinc plated. It was just like a step up. And then also we didn't make it super long. We made it a little bit longer to go with the, you know, what we considered the average spring that people would put in their Jeep as far as height. You gotta remember this is still back in the in like in the mid 80s. Everybody's running 33 inch tall tires on their Jeep. So it gives you an idea how how long it was. And lots you know, of pink shock boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're running all the multicolor. You go to SEMA, yep. and that's what you see. Multicolor boots, boots, some so, zebra yeah. seat covers. I was going to say the eighties <laughs> were some good years, but they they were a little embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it's hard you know? to look back right. on the eighties sometimes. Now, <laughs> Holman, do we do the mini truck talk here? Or do we come back to it? Because no, no. I, we I wrote in before we move on because I think uh, we, John, we have a joke on the show where like ninety five percent of all of our guests have some type of past or history. That involves mini trucking, and it's hilarious. It doesn't matter if you're in off-roading or sport trucks or custom stuff. Everybody has some sort of a mini truck story, and you said you were selling stuff for mini trucks, so we have to dive in with you for a second here on mini trucks. Yeah, I was actually back out of high – I had a mini truck in high school. I had a Nissan. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was been a Datsun at that time. They didn't, it wasn't even a Nissan. Sweet. It was a Datsun, Datsun. mini truck. It was custom painted, you know, and I had – I had uh, you know, they were four-cylinder, had side pipes. How long was your hair at the time? It was probably mid-back. Yeah! <laughs> my- I remember seeing Robert Plant, me and my brother, <laughs> you know, my older brother pipe looked more like, you know, those guys, and, you know, back in the day. Okay, my question, though, was did you have graphics on the Datsun, or was it just one color? No, it had graphics. It was white, but it had, like, a blue, like a blue panel on the side. It was a simple... Just like the sides were like blue. I'm trying to remember exactly what it looked like. <laughs> and I think they were kind of faded. You know, that was popular back in the Yeah, day. sure. And yeah. how and how low was this thing? Uh, it was mainly just lowered in the front. And I'm I'm trying I think we just I just took a torch and heated up the front spring and let it <laughs> Yes. Okay, and were they your wheels or, or were you running like uh, I guess that's pre Renault's, yeah, right? Yeah, pre Boyd, pre all that pre all stuff. That right? stuff yeah. yeah. This would have been like a regular cast mag wheel, uh, that that was on that truck. It was a mag wheel. It had oversized tires on. I can't remember all the specs. On was it like a turbine or a kidney bean or what? What was it? No, I think it was just like a slotted mag. <laughs> That's all awesome. I can think about well, how rad a Datsun on slotted mags would look today. Now, hold on. If you <laughs> if you could find that same truck today, would you buy it from whoever had it if it was in the same condition? Uh, I actually sold it to a good friend of mine. And he drove for a long time. I don't, you know, I'm not really a collector. Okay, but is there any nostalgia? Yeah, if they are nostalgia, when I see them, when I see the old pickups that people, or old mini trucks that people restore, I think they're actually kind of cool. Would I restore one? Probably not. When you uh, see a mini truck, you have to admit that you slowly reach your hand to the back of your neck just to feel how long your hair is. (laughs) (laughs) I had the whole thing. I had a camper shell. You know, carpeted bed, all that stuff. But did you have house speakers in the bed? No, I never got. I never. <laughs> I never spent the money on big speakers in the back. It had a stereo in the front, but even it was 
marginal. <laughs> Actually, let's go back. Let's do Johnny Joints. Let's talk okay. about because Johnny Joints are obviously they when they came out, those were game changing in the industry. Can you maybe talk about the history of the Johnny yeah. Joints and and what it meant for for your business? Well, basically, that started, it would have actually been 1990, late 96, when the TJ came out. You know, you know, TJ was a, probably like, more like a mid-year release. It was a 97 model that came out probably like July of 1996. Uh, uh, and so we started, you know, building TJs like right away, experimenting with different people's suspension. For people who don't know, the TJ was a massive departure from the YJ. The YJ was basically the first Wrangler, and it was basically taking the CJ platform and modernizing it with leaf springs at all four corners and square headlights for people who might go, oh, okay, YJ, square headlights. When the TJ came out, it went to coil springs and links, and that was the first time where the Wrangler had uh, coils at all four corners, and the aftermarket, when that vehicle came out, freaked out. And there were spy photos and rumors, and people were like, you're going to ruin the Jeep by putting coil springs on it. And, mm. and then it came out, rode amazingly well. People started making lift kits that had insane amounts of flex and RTI ramp numbers that had never really been seen before. And guys like John in the aftermarket just went to town on the TJ. So I just want to, for those of you who aren't Jeep guys who don't know what the TJ is, that's the 97 uh, to basically, I guess it would be 05, 06. And, uh, I think it was 06. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it would just it revolutionized the off-road market when the TJ came out. So anyway, back to you, John. Yeah, so when that came out and we started playing with suspensions on those, really one of the first people that had something on the market that was other than just bolting on a, you know, bolting on an arm with a bushing on it was TerraFlex. They had their arm that it was twisted in the middle, but it just had regular bushings at the end. And so we had built a Jeep and used a TerraFlex lift on it and it, it worked okay, but you could actually see what was actually happening there. We were getting that twist in the arm, but the arm just doesn't twist. It moves in more like a circular motion. And so even though it worked better, it didn't give us everything we're looking for. You know, I'm, a, you know, pretty much, you know, grew up as a machinist working for my dad running machines. So we started, you know, machining up different bushings out of your thing, literally buying the, the, the material and machining it out into the shape we wanted it and trying different bushings. And, I, and you know, tried stuff with different durometers. I tried, you know, angled bushing that was like an hourglass shape. You know, all kinds of different stuff. And I finally, I was on my way to work one morning and I thought, well, why can we, why don't we just put a ball in the center of it, you know, like a heim joint and put the urethane around the outside. And so I got to work that morning, ordered the urethane and machined it out. You know, you know, this is all done on a manual engine light, not on a CNC machine. So to make the radius is basically, I would actually grind the tool in the shape of the radius and machine this thing out and put all this stuff together to see how it would work. And that's basically how that Johnny Joint started. And that was in sometime about mid 97 or early 97 is when we built the first Johnny Joints. But they were all machined, you know, basically machined out of solid pieces of urethane and, and pieces of round tubing and held together with two snap rings. You know, all the original ones were 100% made in house. The studs were welded on them. As it grew, we kept finding, you know, 
you know, better ways to make the urethane, better urethane, uh, playing with, you know, how much, uh, when we put them together, a Johnny joint is put together under a lot of compression. So that's why they don't, they don't get loose is because you have to, you know, when you put them together, they're under a lot of tension. So when they do take a set, they're still tight. You know, all that stuff kind of evolved over the years. And then, you know, once we, we kind of had it to where it was working really good, then we just came up with different sizes of it. So every vehicle that came along, we'd make different sizes for that vehicle. And we still do that today. People show up, hey, I need a joint for this or a joint for that. We'll take the information that they give us. If we can make it work, we can make custom joints from them. So we, we have some customers that we do make some custom stuff for still. Now we're selling somewhere in the neighborhood of about 15,000 joints a year, something like that. Oh, man. <laughs> That's so a lot of lift kits. We, we use them in our stuff, but there's a lot of other companies that use our Johnny joints in theirs as well. And basically, so, for people who uh, who are curious, it's a basically a uh, a spherical, I guess, bearing inside of a housing that's held together. What it does is allows the joint to rotate not only the up and down that you would have in the suspension motion, but as the axle goes through. If you are familiar with Jeep suspension, Jeep axles don't move up and down straight; they move in an arc. And so, and there's a little bit of side to side depending on your your uh, your track bar and whatnot. And so these joints allow those arms to have a little bit of that movement to get that extra flex to not bind up. And because they're encased in, I guess, is it rubber or is it still urethane today, John? No, it's urethane. It's, yeah. it's specifically built just for the Johnny joint. So what it allows you to do is be isolated from the road. So you don't have a metal-on-metal -metal contact. So mm -hmm. you still have suspension isolation. You still have good ride characteristics, but you're allowing those those arms, those joints where the arms meet the axle to be able to more freely rotate and not bind as the axle is going through crazy travel, not just the up and down, but rock crawling where you're stuffing one side and you're articulating and they're very and, cool. And they, they're rebuildable, right? You can pull them apart and yeah. change the earth. And, and, and that's one of the unique things about it is they are completely rebuildable, but they last a long, long time. I mean, if you keep them lube, they're probably going to last, you know, they can last 50 to 100,000 miles depending on where you live. But on my own personal Jeeps, my JK right now I have has had the same Johnny joints on it since I put it together, and it has 40,000 miles on it. And that includes, I think, three different trips to, you know, down to, uh, you know, Cabo San Lucas and different stuff. So it's not just driving down the street. Yeah, I've never had to rebuild a Johnny joint. I've never had one fail. It's always, but I was always really religious about greasing them up. They have a Zerk fitting on it, and you add you know, a little pump of grease every three months or six months. You're when you go on a big outing or when you come back and clean them out, and they're good to go. Yeah, if you're going to Moab, you grease it up before you leave, and you're going to be good. And just you know, every time maybe you change your oil, you give it a grease job, and you're good to go. Back in the day, like the Johnny joint's a great example of this. You would fabricate something on a lathe by hand, and you would just... Mad machinist skills mad right machine, there. Yeah, exactly. And you'd work on it over and over and over until you got it right. Is that, yeah, in, is that in contrast, guys, with how it's done today, all in SolidWorks, and then he he like, he like develops it on the computer and then gets it in the truck, and it either works or doesn't? Like, you guys were... Well, how does it differ today? today. <laughs> oh, you do it different Back today. Back in the day, it, it was easier for me. I'd have an idea in my head. And I would actually, you know, you know, start building it, go find what I could build it out of around, you know, around the shop, whatever material we had, and start building it and actually design it on the way. And then when I got the first one built, then I would measure it and put it on paper. 
Oh, interesting. So it's completely opposite of the way we do stuff today. I mean, I still do it the same way, but the difference is now I'll have an idea and then I may sketch it out and show, you know, a, a, one of our engineers that work for us, hey, this is the idea I have. And, and I'll tell them, these are the important things. These are important dimensions. This is what I'm trying to get to. This is how it works. And then I'll have them draw it up. If they draw it up, we'll have a cutout, you know, we'll cut it out on the plasma or we'll send over to the laser shop and have a cutout bit up and see if it works. Like I'm working on a project right now. I cut it all out in the bandsaw, uh, made my own forming tool, formed it, and, and made my own prototypes to start with. We're just now having it drawn. But I already had two or three working prototypes before we drew the first one. Well, and Johnny Joints weren't the uh, weren't the only big, I guess, uh, evolution in your product lineup. I think that one of the other big products that people would know is the Annie Rock Sway Bar, and I'm a big fan of them. I've run them on our Jeeps in the past, and they're great. And it, looking at the website RockJock4x4.com, it looks like uh, you guys have done a product update. The arms are very cool now. Do you want to talk about uh, how? the anti-rock works compared to a traditional sway bar and, and why you'd want that on your Jeep? Traditionally on a Jeep, you're gonna have a really heavy sway bar in the front and a lighter one on the back. So if you take that Jeep off-road, you're gonna find out that the heavy sway bar in the front is gonna make the rear suspension do most of the work. And what you're really looking for is a balance. If the front moves up four inches, you know, you want the back to move down four inches, or, you know, vice versa. It goes from side to side. So if I lift my left front tire six inches, the the right rear tire should drop, you know, it should go the opposite amount, about the same amount, right, to be balanced. And that's kind of what we did with the, the sway bars is trying to get a balance from front to rear, where most Jeeps in their street form, um, they would run a big heavy sway bar, or when you went off-road, you would disconnect the sway bar. Then you had this thing where, well, you have no sway bar in the front, but you had a sway bar in the back, and you would notice, well, now the front end is doing all the work, and the, and the rear end is not doing nothing. So the anti-rock, or the very first anti-rock, which was for the TJ, uh, was to try to balance the front and the rear. The first one we came out was the front sway bar for the, uh, for the, the TJ. That would have been the, 90, the 97 through 2006 G. Then the next thing we noticed after that is that the rear sway bar, it didn't have enough travel to keep up with the front sway bar. It, it actually worked pretty good, but because the arm was so short, it would actually, the rate was, uh, would have been multiplied faster and it would end up breaking after, after a while. Or you would either break the link or the bar would break or something would break back there. So then we made a rear sway bar with a longer arm that would actually travel further with the rear tire. And that's, that was the second sway bar. So the front one for the TJ and then the rear one for the TJ. And then we went back and we did some for the XJ and some other stuff as well. But the most popular one, I think one of our still most popular numbers that we sell is the 9900, which is the front uh, bar for a TJ. All I hear is a lot of trial and error here. I just feel like he's <laughs> have, just out there. Have you ever seen an anti-rock installed, especially on the rear of like a JK? The, yes. The packaging a, is as a matter of fact, yes, when you guys, when, when you and I were at uh, Four Wheeler Off-Road Adventure, whatever the hell it's called. Adventure Expo? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I can, still can't remember what it was. I did see two Jeeps, I'm going to say, with this system. Yeah, and what's amazing is the packaging, where they put it, and how seamless it is. I mean, it looks like the the space was meant for an anti-rock. Was it always CNC, like billet arms, or is, is was it at one point just uh, steel? 
Uh, the original stuff was all built, you know, I'm not an engineer, but I'm, I'm kind of a practical engineer. So everything we built was like the cheapest, easy, easiest way we could build, you know, at the time for the volume that we would have. And the original anti-rocks were made out of a two inch by three eighths uh, square strap, or not square, rectangular strap that we would cut off at 20 inches and we put them in the mill and, and taper them on the end. And that was all done manually. And then as the volume went up, we started having those laser cut, but they were made the same way. And we made those the same way all the way up until um, the beginning of this year. Actually, we started this project a couple years ago before before we did the, the split up. I started this project with you know guys working for me, but we we're always so busy trying to keep up with the rear end business. The suspension and the sway bars and on that was always like this. That was kind of like the stepchild of Curry Enterprises. The the business was rear ends. Everything else was you know. That was kind of like my hobby on the side until we realized, hey, you know, this is actually making pretty good money. There's a lot of ideas like that idea for that, the, the new forged bar. As the product line grew and as the volume grows, you realize that you could do stuff in different ways that's actually better and cheaper. And that's coming out with this forged arm is a way we do that. We not only make it cosmetically more appealing, we make it stronger and better looking. And we're doing it for the same price or cheaper. So everything about it makes sense. But you know, you're not looking at that until you actually see, hey, hey, we're selling this many of these sway bars here. You know, what can we do to make us stand out against our competition? For the average, you know, guy who wants to make a sway bar, he's gonna make it just exactly how I made it. And that's what we're seeing out there. But for that guy to go out and have a forging made to make the R, he's not gonna do that. So uh Brandon. What's yeah. it? What's it like? <laughs> what's it like running a uh, third generation family business? It doesn't sound uh, well, like your like your dad's lost any of his passion for uh, for the business. It's it's awesome working for my dad. It's something that I've dreamed about. I had no idea when, if, and when it would ever happen. Uh, I, I always think we. I always thought that we would probably do something in business together at some point, never knowing what it would be or when it would be. But I always thought if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I wanted to do something with him. John, John, is that because you valued the relationship with your dad so much and having that, that family business when you were growing up? And have, were you always thinking that being able to have that relationship and work with Brandon going forward is something that you wanted to give him as far as an experience from a, from a father standpoint? I mean, that and a lot of things I did with my dad. You know, we did um, the Great American Race. Uh, me and my brothers all did that with my dad. It was spending basically, you know, 14 days in a car sitting next to your dad. And we kind of experienced that last year. Brandon and I did the Nora uh, 1000 together in my uh, in my pre-runner. I really, that was something I wanted to do with him because I that was something I kind of did with my dad. For my dad, it was the Great American Race with Antique Cars. And for me, my passion is more off-road. So the Nora 1000 to me is my version of the Great American Race. I love it. I, I, think, I think that's awesome that you guys are able to, especially in California, keep a third generation business alive and be successful at it. It's unbelievable. You just don't hear those stories that much anymore. And I'm glad you guys didn't sell the company that you were able to figure out a way to carve it out and that it could be continued under family family control. Because I think a lot of people don't realize brands like yours that have been around literally since the 50s mean so much to the off-road community. And there's a lot of newer players that come in and out. 
but the staying power that some of these family businesses have, the personal connection, the ability to work on projects with you guys and, and things like that. It means a lot to the community. I think it's I think it's really cool. Brandon, so when you're going to school for, I assume, mechanical engineering, right? It, what was your plan, I, ultimately? Yeah, so I actually... Um, I went to school for manufacturing engineering. Okay. Uh, and I was racing motorcycles professionally at the time for Yamaha. And it was one of those things that, uh, you know, I think my parents always said, oh, we'll continue supporting you and, and you know, helping you grow and, and, and race and everything, but you need to keep going to school and you need to finish <laughs> uh, school. So that was obviously always uh, in the back of my mind. So I was, I was going to school for engineering uh, I was riding motorcycles uh, all over the, the world, um, riding for Factory Yamaha. I got two AMA championships in Supermoto. Dang. Uh, so you're basically also a badass. Hey, Lightning, <laughs> those are uh, those are some things that you and I will never have. You know what burns me up is that Supermoto is a badass sport, but never got it, never really saw its day. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun, um, you know, racing X Games. I got a bronze in X Games. Racing with... Uh, not only, you know, some of the, the, basically I got to race a, a lot of the, the top, you know, supercross and motocross racers too. I was teammates with Doug Henry. I raced with Jeff Ward, uh, Travis Pastrana, Jeremy McGrath, Chad Reed, James Stewart, like at X games, we would all, you know, the, the main supermoto guys would come and race, but then you'd have you know, the crossover guys that came, uh, and raced with us. So, that, that was a lot of fun. But basically, Yamaha gave me the ability to to go to school and still race professionally. And they would schedule all of our, our testing and, and training and everything around my school schedule. So I was able to do that, get my engineering degree. And luckily, you know, I was graduating right as kind of the economy uh, was taking a, a dump in 2009, um, uh, which also kind of put Supermoto you know, to bed, all the sponsors pulled out, um, because it wasn't being, it wasn't being promoted like it should. And I ended up getting my engineering degree, going and working for Oakley actually for uh, seven years, um, and managing their engineering team and development team over there before, uh, you know, before moving on and, and basically my dad coming and asking me, Hey, you know, we're, we're looking at, uh, splitting this business up, are you, are you on board based, you know, with no hesitation? I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. So going back to the third generation, yes, it's the third generation. Uh, but because of the way that we, we positioned uh, the businesses, Curry Enterprise and Carving Rock Jock out, it's, it's almost now like a second generation because it's, it's almost not, like a startup in a sense, right? I mean, you guys are, even though you have the history, you've kind of reset and level set the field. And you guys are treating it as a brand new business in a sense, but you still yeah. have the heritage and, and, and the history. We've been actually using that a lot as kind of an analogy, like as we're, as we're getting going, we're, we're a startup with revenue. You and know, you just great. made a bunch of startup guys cry right there. Yeah. <laughs> Very few have that, uh, <laughs> that distinction. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so the hard part about that is you need to make decisions quick to be able to, to, to keep that business alive. So we, we did, we obviously we got support uh, during the transition from Curry Enterprises, but uh, the sooner we can get up on you know on our feet on our own, the better. So that's kind of what we were pushing for. Um, you know, the faster we can do that, the more control and visibility we have to to how the business runs, making decisions on 
on uh, making improvements and adjustments um, and all that. So uh, that's kind of what we've been doing over the last, uh, basically I started almost a, a little over a year ago now, but uh, you know, fine tuning how the business works, the relationships, um, kind of keeping new product uh, on schedule and releasing, but then really just focusing on, you know, how do we run the business operationally and efficiently? So we actually, uh, my sister's a CPA, worked in, you know, accounting and auditing and um, for real estate companies. And we somehow talked her into coming over to uh, the family company. Somehow uh, talked her into it. <laughs> somehow talked her into it. The, and, uh, the family uh, had an intervention and she had no choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yes. We, were like, we need you now. Yeah. You're either in or you're out of the family. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> Straight mafioso. Yeah, totally. We realized after we we did bring her on that we should have brought her on a lot earlier because she's been so much help and you know with everything involved you know just because of her her background in auditing and everything going on that you know she I think she's already you know made her money you know three times over this year. Well, don't well, don't let her hear this podcast, John. You don't want her to expect the honey baked ham at Christmas. I mean, yeah. you know, so we keep her, you know, we keep her in her, her office. No, she's actually, she's embracing uh, the whole lifestyle. She, she got a new JL. It's all built up and ready. Um, it was going to make its maiden voyage to Moab this year, but I know the uh, feeling. Obviously, obviously that's in it. Uh, I also job. bought a brand new JL that was supposed to make its maiden voyage in uh, EJS this year. So I, I am feeling her pain at the moment. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, guys, what is next uh, for the company, for Rock Chalk? I mean, are, are you going to get into, um, you know, like... Uh, Beyond Jeeps? Or are you well, going yeah, to go to full-size yeah. trucks? Solid I mean, axle trucks? Or what are some things you guys are looking at? We we have a, a, you know, a bunch of ideas and products in the pipeline. Our, our first goal is to kind of complete the whole Jeep product line in terms of the Wrangler and the, uh, and the Gladiator. Um, so I think we're, we're really close in regards to doing that. And then uh, some other ideas are, are jumping in and, and understanding, okay, we have the anti-rock. It's, you know, it's, it's known throughout the industry. Um, what, how do we leverage that name? How do we leverage that product and that, that idea into other categories? So well, it feels like the, the anti-rock, like it's kind of agnostic or could be, could be vehicle agnostic. Yeah, it seems like you could do a full size solid axle pickup or you could do a UTV. Really? I mean, it seems like, uh, there's a lot of applications and and opportunity for that one. Yeah, so that's 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 kind of one of uh, you know the next you know big pushes. We're uh, definitely looking into the UGV space. Uh, we've now created a you know a, a pre-runner you know desert truck uh, sway bar system that we're getting ready to launch there. Um, we have you know ideas of you know, full size trucks and everything as well. So really trying to expand on the anti-rock product line and, and as well as our steering, you know, the, the, we have a TJ steering and a JK steering that are, that are really By the way, stuff. your steering systems are so badass. The, the best part about them is because they're so beefy and hardcore when you're on trails like the doozy or Rubicon and you bash your, uh, your drag link or your, your tie rod into a, uh, into rock, and you can still get off the trail, and your Jeep steers straight going down the road. That's uh, that's huge because I can't tell you how many 
you know, how many tie rods I have made smile on uh, on trails and been pissed because it's like, damn it, I gotta go do a stupid tie rod when I get home, and it's so irritating on the jeeps when uh, when you do that. So I, I appreciate your beefy steering to uh, keep knuckleheads like me from trying to move rocks with my steering system. Yeah, so that's actually, uh, you know, that's that's kind of one of our next big products is is a JL uh, JT steering. Um, so those. Those are in process. We're working through all the details and, and it's not, hey, let's just take this and make some small modifications to make it work on a new application. It's, you know, starting uh, a lot of it is starting over and, and relooking at, you know, every detail and, and making it right for that application. So another thing we've worked on is also our packaging, trying to get our packaging to uh, represent the product better. So that was kind of a, you know, one of those things we start on around the, the first of the year is change some of our packaging. Have printed boxes, making the boxes specific to product and, and doing some of that. So there's a, a lot of little things that may you may not see on the you know on the outside, but you know, they're changes that we're making trying to be more efficient about what we're doing. Well just looking at the uh, just looking at the Rock Jock website, you can see some of the products and some of the new look for whether it's your control arms, whether it's the arms on the anti-rock, that there have been updates. Obviously, I've been familiar with your products for, you know, probably close to 20 years now. And it's great to kind of see the update and, and see the, the forged pieces. And they're, they're actually, they're really beautiful pieces. Well, thank you. What we do may be just a little bit different than the next guy. And one reason is because we can. The other reason is we don't want to be the same as what everybody else is offering. We want to, we want to offer something a little bit different. So... Well, you guys are a great uh, a great one-stop shop. Obviously, you got the Johnny Joints, the Anti-Rock, the Correct Link. You guys also have a ton of different accessories, parts, bolts, brackets, uh, fabrication parts, towing solutions. I mean, there's so much stuff for the Jeep community that's on Rock Jock 4x4. And then if uh, anybody wants to follow you, it's at Rock Jock 4x4 on Instagram, Facebook, Rock Jock 4x4 by John Curry on YouTube. Of course, we just mentioned the Rock Jock 4x4 website, rockjock4x4.com. And uh, I one last thing for John. And by the way, hold yeah. on. They're sold in shops all around the country. Yes, you, you can you can find them all over the place. You can go direct, but they're uh, they're local SoCal uh, business to us here. Uh, John, I've got one last question. I so my man Lightning and I have this thing where all of our vehicles have personalized license plates, and we have <laughs> we we try and outdo each other. And our thing is license. You have one of the awesome. I, I think. In the whole 4x4 world, one of the best personalized license plates oh, on the really? JK. He does? Yeah. Okay, hold on. You can tell us. What is it? Well, I've had a lot of them. My on my personal Jeep is Rocks Please. R-C-K-S-P-L-Z. I love it. Rocks nice. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a metaphor, but it's a, I guess it would be a metaphor. Yeah. But it's, yeah, me and my wife thought of that one. But I've, I've had, over the years, I had a lot of them. I had... I used to have uh, Rock Jock, Rock Jock one, two, and three, and then on my car, on my hot rod, I have a '64 convertible. On that one, it's I think it says Curry. My van is is Great Mate, and that's G R A M A eight. That one's a little embarrassing. <laughs> great Mate. I, what's the I, story behind I, that? I hope there's a waterbed in the back. <laughs> Poor Brandon. So it's, it's always good when I borrow his van at the gas station and, and someone someone walks up and is like, what, what's your license plate? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I'm Great borrowing. <laughs> well, I used to have a red van, 
and it had great meat. And then one guy told me he thought it said great tomatoes. <laughs> well, okay. Were, did he? Did these things have murals on the sides, or they're just random no. license plates? <laughs> Not anymore. That was back in high school days. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a whoa, 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 whoa. Pause, pause, pause. What was the mural back in the high school days? Please no, tell me it was somebody riding a great white shark or something like that across the desert. No, I said I had a the mini truck, but my brother had a Chevy van. And it was it was the longer of the Chevy van. It wasn't a real short one, and it had the little moon, you know, the little round the window? window in the back. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think exactly what color it was. Everything he owns is blue, but I think it was kind of a medium blue with a dark blue graphic down the side, and inside that that dark blue graphic, it had like these. It was like gold circles where they they held something up there and kind of oversprayed around it. So it looked like little gold circles that went down the side. It was different. <laughs> I was really hoping for a Viking. <laughs> Were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really you got, like, got a Viking on the side. <laughs> <laughs> with like a turkey leg or something? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, the big scepter or something. Yeah, scepter, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, you, you know, if you're going to, you just need to get your own van, I think, is what I we've come do. down to. Yeah. We were all kind of rockers back in the day. And I think that's kind of where the name anti-rock came from because it, it wasn't that we were anti-rock. We were, it was, you know, we were, we had a storyboard trying to think of names to, to name stuff. And we were putting that on thing, well, off-road sway bar, you know, anti-rock, anti-sway, this, that, and thing. It's literally and one of the best product names out there. And I go, that, oh, that's, that's perfect because even it has kind of two meanings, but I do listen to a lot more country music now than I did back then. Oh, don't give up on the rock and roll, dude! Come on now. There's, it's still out there. You gotta, you gotta dig a little bit more for it. You know what I mean? Like Foo Fighters got some new music coming out. I mean, there's still some good stuff out there. Don't, don't roll your eyes at me, Holman. What's wrong with Foo's? <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the Foo Fighters. I love the Foo Fighters. I'm just saying. Dave Grohl's the man. Yeah. All right. Okay, he doesn't have to listen to country. He can still rock out. Well, he can listen to whatever he wants. There's some good country no, rock out can't. there. No, he can't. I'm telling him, pull back on the country and <laughs> okay. full throttle on the rock. And get a new van with a mural. Yes, and a Viking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so we got uh, John and Brandon Curry from uh, Rock Jock. Thank you so much for making the time, and uh, congratulations on uh, your new startup yeah. with history. There you go. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having us. All right, guys, so uh, rockjock4x4.com. Check them out. you got uh, all sorts of awesome stuff to make your uh, your Jeep do uh, go a little deeper in the, in the, in the woods, in the and, rocks. And to make your wallet just a little thinner. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. See ya. Thanks. Holman, I hear that you have compiled quite a sum of truck news. Is that true? It's like all the news just stopped along with life. And the reason that I am confident that life is going to start returning to normal, mm-hmm. truck news on the way. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Oh, yeah. We, we ended strong, but we started rough. Uh, yeah, I, I don't care. As long <laughs> as it ends, like, right on the yeah, beat. Like, that was good. Oh, that was money. That, that yeah, felt, felt good. good. Yeah, After felt the good. last one that you just botched all to hell. No, I didn't no. botch. Yeah. No, I, was, I, did, I didn't agree with it. <laughs> you, you, weren't, you weren't okay with it, huh? No, not at all. This one was solid. All right. So like you said, it was a little scraggly at the in beginning. In the beginning, it was a little, But yeah. we ended, like, ended strong. just right It sounds on. like most of our podcast episodes. <laughs> yeah. How about the uh, Ford Courier mini truck? The Ford Courier mini truck? 
So there was a courier at one point. There, there right? was, yeah. And uh, they brought it back. Well, allegedly that we've seen spy photos of it. It's a front wheel drive unibody little pickup, allegedly uh, based on the new Bronco Sport. The courier, just the courier name, just sounds like boredom. <laughs> well, I mean, just, I mean, it sort of says what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, I guess it just, it's just going to be. Courier. So I don't know if it's going to be the open bed version of like a Transit Connect or if it is going to actually be based on the uh, Bronco Sport. But we've seen spy photos of them running around in camo. So uh, so who knows? W- would you be okay with a front wheel drive mini truck? Hmm. Maybe. I'm not. Maybe. Nope, not a truck. Uh, Let's go through the list. Okay. Okay, it has to match three of these criteria. Is it body on frame? Hmm. Hmm. Does it have a longitudinally mounted drivetrain? I'm guessing since it's front wheel drive, no. Hmm. Does it have an open bed? Yeah. No, okay. Will it come in four wheel drive? I doubt it. Yeah, I don't know about that one either. Is the bed separate from the cab? Ouch. Not a truck. Not a truck. Might look like a truck. Yeah, why are we spending so much time talking about but not a truck? looks can be deceiving, folks. Not a truck. Uh, starting to hear some rumors that the 2021 Ford F-150 has been delayed until fall. I think they're supposed to introduce it to the media sometime this summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently it goes into production in fall, possibly September, October time frame. So they got to do it before then. But uh, it's for now, it's delayed, so we have no idea when we'll see the uh, the new F one fifty. I know mm. it's a big deal for Ford, and they everything I've heard about it is supposed to be pretty spectacular. Why did you? Uh, are you not? Are you hating on the F one fifty? No, 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 no. I'm buzzing because we don't get the info. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. how about this? How about this? The Ram TRX. No, no, not, I'm, not. I'm buzzing it because I don't have any info. No, ding, ding, ding. It's no, Ram I, TRX. <laughs> that should always get a buzz. Yeah, it should never get a buzzer. It should always get a ding. Thank you. Uh, it may make its world debut as <sighs> soon as late June or early July. So the rumors go. We have I, no idea. I want it sooner. Uh, I cannot wait for that truck to come out. I mean, that it is going to be bad, just bad. Bad Mamba Jamba. That's going to be the uh, trim level, the Rebel TRX Bad Mamba Jamba. So good. So much to love. Yeah, buddy. Thanks, Mike Finnegan. Speaking of Mike Finnegan, fan of Toyotas, Mm -hmm. uh, did you hear that the Tundra, no more V8? What? No. So rumors- No, that was a great engine. Rumors from the plant have uh, have it going that the uh, V8 will be out of production. That means no V8 in the Tundra. No V8 in the Sequoia. No V8 in the Land Cruiser, and no V8 in the Lexus LX if those vehicles carry on, although there's rumors that the Land Cruiser and LX might be gone. So, Lightning, you might ask me, well, Holman, <laughs> why don't I just ask you, well, Holman, what am I saying? Uh, what what engine, what engine will replace it? Will replace the V8. Funny you should ask. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. Probably not. Did you put every word in my mouth? <laughs> um, the GR series from uh-huh. Toyota is a 3.5 liter twin turbo V6. Oh. Where have we heard of three and a half liter twin turbo V6 in the half ton truck market before? Hmm. F-150 EcoBoost. Hmm. Hmm is right. So it'll be interesting. Apparently they have figured out if Ford uh, is doing well with the EcoBoost, they maybe uh, don't need a V8 in their pickup truck. But I don't know. I just like having a V8. It's just, it's, 
That's a gr- I have many friends with uh, Tundras, mm-hmm. with the V8. And they love them. And they love them. They love them something silly. Yep. Not not the uh, not the best truck out there right now, but still a great drivetrain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Got one more for you. Uh, sad news. It would appear, allegedly, through rumors, mm-hmm. that the Canyon in Colorado will lose their 2.8 liter Duramax diesel. Wow. Oh, no way. The Canyon in Colorado will lose their 3.6 liter V6. <gasps> Might even lose the base model 2.5. What? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to change it up a little yeah. bit. Uh, so it sounds like the next generation might be going with the 2.7 I was going to say, that's got to leave it with no engine. No, no, no. no, no. The, the, the next generation, the you got to remember, the brand new Silverado mm-hmm. and Sierra. Right. Has that really bitchin' 2.7 liter turbo four with the 10-speed. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't know that I love it in the big truck. I guess if you're just commuting, it's fine. But that little engine should romp in a Colorado Canyon. But for diesel fans, having one less option out there does, does suck. They should put the three-liter in it, the three-liter diesel. The Duramax, the three-liter. I know, in the Silverado. but they're taking the diesel away. They're, but they're taking a 2.8 away. Why don't they just put a 3.0 in? Because they don't want any diesel at all. Uh. They just want to make it simple. Simple. Look at Ranger. Ranger has one engine. It. You know what it is. I mean, let's everybody's go. going on uh, to, to one option. I, I know. Mean, I know. It, look, it's it, it's too expensive. It's it, it it's too expensive an option for the guys who are buying a mid-sized truck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm still stunned that they're getting rid of that 2.8 diesel. It, wasn't there some history behind that? Well, it's a little underpowered. I had one in a long-termer. I liked it, but it definitely was underpowered and KJ laggy. KJ Jones of Diesel Power, his wife, Crystal, owns one. Yeah, in their, uh, in their Colorado. Yeah. you got to remember, that's a VM Matori engine that dates back all the way to, if you remember, I think it's like the 2005 Jeep Liberty CRD. Oh, Same really? engine family. It's oh, that yeah. old? It's that old. Oh. Yeah. So, okay. you know, I'm not surprised. And with uh, with VM Matori being owned by FCA now, I'm sure GM doesn't want to buy any more engines mm. from their competitors. So there's a there's a lot to unpack here, and I think the uh, the three liter straight six doesn't package into a midsize truck. There's just not enough engine compartment. So the 2.7 four cylinder makes a lot of sense. So even though the baby Duramax only came with 181 horsepower and 369 pound feet of torque, it'll be missed. Now if you look at the numbers for the 2.7 four cylinder gas engine, compare 181 369 to 310, 348. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah. You're not really wow. losing a lot on torque, and you're getting a whole heck of a lot on horsepower. Sure, so, sure. I get it. I get it. But as a diesel fan, it's still sad to see one less option out there. True. I back you up on that. All right. Well, on that depressing news, I think we should end this thing. Our show, just call it quits? Yeah, right there. Just done. Just like oh, that's it. We're done. We're out. 120 episodes or whatever we're at. And like, and just walk it, away. It, all right. Well. So that, so that, <laughs> so that happened. Wait, don't play the whole thing for us. No, I didn't. Uh, it's not the segment. I was just doing it as a, <laughs> I as know, a joke. I know, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lo- that's a jingle I, we haven't heard in a long time. It is. Uh, I know. We need, that's when we have some crazy antics. Yeah, we're when, out of antics when, right when, now. When something goes wrong on the show, <laughs> that's, uh, that's what we no, play. No, when something goes wrong, we usually play I'm Sorry. No, no, no. That, well, that's when we're apologetic. So that happens when we're taking, we're, like, taking ownership of it. Like, wow, so that happened. So that happened. Wow, I can't believe we did that. <laughs> exactly. All well, right. well, all right, wrapping up another episode. Done. We're out. No, we're not out yet. Oh. We come back after the jingle. We talk about Nissan and Deck. Remember that? Oh, yeah. We'll do that. Then we'll go out. Right here is when I say email us at truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. And you've heard it. 
said before, don't forget to look us up on our social at Truck Show Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I won't mention the other one that's now up to 89 people. <laughs> and uh, don't forget I'm to... Just, uh, I'm clapping for you. Thank you very much for not mentioning <laughs> Don't forget to uh, leave us a message on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. We want to hear from you, especially at Truck Podcast on Twitter. Oh, come on. Why'd you have to... Because you were so excited and clapped, I just had to slide ah, it in. you dick. All right, listen. Do what he said. All those things that he said... And go to NissanUSA.com and configure your brand new 2020 Titan or Titan XD. They've got the best warranty in the business, five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And I'm telling you, if you don't love the Pro 4X, you will love the Platinum Reserve. That's my mamma jamma. All right, and uh, also our friends over at Decked, thank you very much for making one heck of an awesome cargo storage solution for your truck or van Decked. Dot com or at Deck USA. And uh, by the way, head on over to our Facebook page and check out our video with Greg from Deck. I think you'll enjoy it. I can't believe Greg did us dirty like that. <laughs> Until he forgot to tell what? us he What's put up it up. With that? <laughs> it's been up a week. Uh, we had no idea. So, so come on now. Anyway, go over there. Give it some love. I think right now we're at 74 uh, views <laughs> on that video. That's so, so pathetic. Uh, yeah, our team. Come on. Team Truck Show Podcast listener. Help us out here. Get that thing up to like a thousand or something. At least like seventy-eight. I, I have an idea. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to do this episode. Normally, at this point in the podcast, we will ask you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. But for this week only, this episode only, mm-hmm. we're just going to ask you to go over to Dex's YouTube page and watch our video and give it some love. Our interview with Greg. I believe and it's called. Leave a comment so we know you watched. Oh, I like that. I believe it's called the Hot Dogs and Mini Trucks or something like that. <laughs> that sounds like a. Uh, you know what that is. An 80s VHS tape? Nope. Hot Dogs in Mini Trucks is a Limp Biscuit album title. <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> and don't forget, Motor Trend, the app, is offering a killer deal right now for those of you at home looking for something to do. $1 a month. Head over to uh, MotorTrendOnDemand.com or sign up on the Motor Trend app. Hard to beat that deal. 12 bucks for a year. Why not just give it away for free? Like a dollar. That's just inconsequential. Not to my bottom line, it isn't. (laughs) Keep those dollars coming. Oh, that's pizza money? (laughs) Yeah, that's, hey, here's our pizza right here. Oh, Domino's man showed up. Bye, guys.